0: I, I am re-recording It stopped But I, I am re-recording Obi-Wan <laughs> The records must be Incomplete then <laughs> The recording
1: was short
0: <sighs> <sighs> Bapanada
1: Console Crusade Podcast Technical ah. Difficulty Crusade Podcast Chris has daddy issues Crusade Podcast We're here It's been a real journey. I'm extremely irritated. I have a feeling, Chris, we're going to lose you uh, forever here pretty soon in the next uh, few minutes. I have
0: high, high hopes for a living.
1: Uh, I'm EJ Olson. I'm with Nick Durheim as per usual. Hello. And Chris Gilly for officially, legally, state mandated. (laughs) It's on my license now. It's about damn time. So we wanted to just hop in. We want to talk about some stuff we've been doing because we've been doing the text thing. And I'm listen, I'm 30. I'm too old to be texting, okay? All right. I need to talk to the boys. And y'all been playing games. I've been playing some games. We're just going to chat about it. There was some Pokemon news. We'll talk about that too. But like I said, Chris, you're having some serious technical difficulties, uh, not least of which involves you just pumping your lungs full of fucking berry juice and 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 3% nicotine. I don't know what's going on over there.
0: It's uh, six milligrams now. And uh, it used to be a three day a week habit. And now it's a whenever I want habit. So that happened. Quit being a pussy. Smoke a cigarette. God damn. <laughs> I- I'd like to believe this is damaging my lungs less. So I'm going to live in that ignorance until science tells me otherwise. You got to start doing it. You can just take the,
2: the nicotine juice and just dip it, drip it straight onto your lip, you know, like a, like a fat. F- Fucking wad of chaw. God, don't do and that. And that's how you get that nicotine straight to the bloodstream. It's either that or you boof it. I mean, the boof will hurt. It'll it'll sting <laughs> a little bit. But but the mouth, you get the cool flavors. So it's like you get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'm not even going to ask what that means. A little bit of sugar in your coffee. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, butt chugging? E-juice is like a great way to die. <laughs> do not do that. It sounds absolutely
0: Do people do that?
1: They butt chug all sorts of things. Well, that I believe. Do you guys remember the uh, fad briefly on the internet was the vapor teeny and they would heat up like pure fucking liquor, like, like goddamn crack and vape it out of a glass bubble. And so it bypasses all of your body's mechanisms, your liver and and your stomach and your kidneys, all these things that would process the toxins. And you're just
0: getting fucked up. Yeah, it's go straight to your bloodstream through your through your lungs. I saw that on Parks and Rec and I thought that that was just something stupid they made up for Tom Haverford to do. You know LA
1: Beast, Nick. Yeah, of course. I saw LA Beast take a bicycle pump and a two liter plastic bottle of soda and put different alcoholic drinks in it. And if you pump the, the uh, don't try this at home, kids, the bicycle pump into the top of the cap uh, and crack it real fast, it like extracts vapor from whatever liquid is in the bottle. Literally, it's like instant, like pfft. Boom. Vapor. And he was just inhaling this shit. He, he tried everything from like vodka soda to to like Four loco and like Budweiser. It was crazy. It was the craziest thing
2: I've ever seen. You don't want to do milk. That's how you get lipid pneumonia. But yeah, I don't think it's like actually truly a vapor. I think it's more like an aerosol, but even still <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the, the- It's the same concept of just like inhaling it so that it gets into your lungs and then goes, it skips all the other crap that your stomach does and just goes straight to your bloodstream. I need to experience
1: this. Very dangerous. No, it is like a great way to overdose and get alcohol poisoning. I I have three, like one ounce of like whiskey drinks in a night and I wake up the next day being like, oh my God, I have died, you know? So I can't imagine actually drinking like that. That's absurd. Uh anyway, like I said, Constant a Podcast where we talk about everything but video games. Uh <laughs> butt chugs and fucking being old and having hangovers.
2: Fat vape rips.
1: Uh yeah, anyway, like I said, we're just going to chat about some stuff and some stuff happened. There's one news related thing that we're going to talk about. Uh and I already told you guys that I have not a lot of positive thoughts. On either of them, so I don't want to be negative Nancy, but if you guys want to run through it, Nick, if you want to like break us down on the Pokemon presents, was there anything new, anything interesting? What happened with that? Those games come out soon.
2: Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl are the games that are imminent as far as they're coming, actually coming out this year. And, uh, they showed a little bit more of that. I feel like there was actually a pretty marked improvement between what they showed initially. What was that back in February or March when they announced those games? Uh, and what they showed to, or not today, but when they showed it last week or whatever, and uh, I don't know, I think it looks a lot better. I think the, uh, just visually it looks better. But as far as like the features they showed, it was a lot of stuff that they have, in the original game, like the Pokeball decorating that changes the little animation when your Pokemon come out and the beauty contest and like fashion show kind of thing. But they did show a couple things that were nice. I mean, they're not like game changers or anything, but they showed the your Pokemon falling behind you, which is honestly, I don't know why that's not in every single game. It's only been in right. like three or four of them. And it's just like, it's, it's one of the things that I like the most about Let's Go, which is actually seeing the Pokemon in the environment and it just made the world look like a place and not like a top-down Game Boy game, which this is a top-down DS game, but just seeing your Pokemon walk behind you gives you a sense of scale. It gives you a sense of camaraderie with your, your animal, your, your RPG party that you've been collecting. So that kind of shit I'm really into. And then other stuff like the... I never actually interacted with... What was that in uh, Ruby Sapphire, The Secret Base? And like the hidden or the hidden dungeon underground thing that they've got in this game. It's like, it's sort of the, the, uh, rogue light sort of stapled on to the main experience kind of thing. It's the, the way that they get you to get Pokemon that aren't in that national decks or whatever they call it. It's the, yeah, it's the safari zone. It's the extension of that, which they showed. And I don't know. I don't have much to say about that in general. Chris, what, what were your takes, takeaways?
0: Yeah, I was intrigued by the expansion of the Underground. I remember it being this sort of very obnoxious thing when I finally played Platinum version that I had to do to get Spiritomb, and so I did, but... Was that the uh, the Underground area? Was that where like the minigame stuff was? Like the mining where you're like tapping on the screen? the fossils. To, like, yeah, the fossil stuff. Was that down there? I, I think so. It's been so long since I played these, and I didn't play this in order. I had already played Black and White. By the time I played that, there's just this gap in uh, that I just didn't play gen four at first. And I, I've been told by yeah. some friends of mine that it, like the, the, age that I was when that gen came out is the age they were when the gen that they skipped came out. Yeah. It's called high school. It's called wanting to get pussy. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, I wasn't, I wasn't getting that in high school anyway, but, uh, <laughs> Tiffany, Tiffany loves Pokemon. She's playing, let's go right now. So I guess, uh, touche, uh, Preppy douchebags from high school. Yeah, take that. How was it peaking when you were 18, bitch? Uh <laughs> we have a podcast now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was to say, listen, meanwhile, Chris is over here turning into you and McGregor just getting sexier by the fucking week over here. It's like, oh, peaking at 30. Okay. That that is not me. But I appreciate it for you, Chris. Thank you.
0: Uh, but anyway, the the underground area now looks more like the uh, wild area from uh, Sword and Shield, which I thought was the most substantive uh, improvement on the formula that they'd made in several generations. Uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it looks good. It looks fine. I, get, I guess I just, my enthusiasm is waning a little bit on it just because I'm sort of like, do I need to play this? Like, I'm going to have Metroid Dread. I'm going to have WarioWare. I've barely touched Skyward Sword, so like that'll pretty much get me through the whole rest of the semester if I buy nothing else, so I'm I'm waffling on it a little bit, to be honest.
2: Yeah, imagine me who wants to play both this Pokemon and also, I think it's a week later is when Shin Megami Tensei V comes out,
0: and it's just like, I'm going to be in
2: JRPG Overload. So, I do want to pick this up. I I never really got too deep. I can't remember. I might have beaten Diamond Pearl and then didn't beat Black and White. I can't remember the order in those events, because similarly to you, Chris, I came to those games way later. Not like way later, but like 2012, 2013 around there. So it would be nice to like experience this in a more cohesive sort of separate setting where I'm not getting this mixed up with another Pokemon game right at the same time. And I'm interested and I do want to play it, which I could not say the same about Sword and Shield last year or two years ago. So I do want to play it, but it it coming out right before another big ass JRPG is kind of tough. I don't know how I'm going to swing that or if I'm just going to do the thing that I always do and wait for like my... Big ass winter break to hop into Shimigami Tensei and save the initial release for Pokemon, so I can be playing it at the same time as Lindsay or if anybody else is going to be playing it. Do the whole, yeah. Hey, where are you at?
1: I'll be. Uh, I'll definitely be playing it day one. I I'm not stoked about it, mo- and mostly because, <laughs> and, as we talked about in the last podcast, like I just don't have an, enough of a recollection of a lot of these games to like truly appreciate the remake outside of like the Kanto remakes or a or Jodo remake, but. It's a Pokemon game. It's more of a classic Pokemon experience than what Sword and Shield was. And I I just really didn't get into Sword and Shield. I tried. Um, so I'm like, I'm excited for that aspect. Like, okay, this is like a, a more of a return to the roots. And it's 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 easygoing. It's streamlined. Uh it's a it's, you know, it's a 10 hour experience, maybe. So yeah, I'm gonna buy it day one and play it with the boys and just, you know, see how much of that I can relive, you know. Um, because it's funny, I played I played Diamond and Pearl it was my sophomore year of high school, I think, because I was I was dating my first serious girlfriend at the time, and I bought her a copy of Pearl, and I got Diamond, and we played three together. And then my junior year, my seventeenth birthday, Platinum had just come out, and my brother bought me a copy of Platinum, and I remember being so disappointed by Platinum because it was the exact same game with like one little offshoot, and I remember the offshoot like whoever localized it. The dialogue was egregiously awful. And I just remember, even at 17, thinking, like, this feels like a fan game that they just added into the middle of the game. And it's like, you come back and it's just the rest of the game's the same. But I remember bits and pieces of Diamond and Pearl. So I'm like curious to play it. But honestly, man, the graphics, and not that Pokemon games have ever been known for like stellar graphics, they're always significantly, I think, worse than their contemporaries in most ways. But just the style, this the, whatever they chose to do—the stylized chibi thing—and the way they did it, it still just looks flat and cheap and mobile gamey. And it, that's like a really tough thing for me to get over. That's part. That's why I love Let's Go so much. It was just it was very pretty, and even though the style was very like, you know, it looked like a kid's cartoon show, and like that's like, but that that was the vibe, and it, it had a, a nice aesthetic to it. And like you're spending so much time just romping around the world, it's tough to be like, all right, we're gonna go play the knockoff uh, app store JRPG here. (laughs) I'm like not, you know, totally looking forward to that. And I have to give Legends Arceus uh, uh, some kudos because, well, I still think that game looks not very good just from like a a technical standpoint and at least has a little more more identity of like what Pokemon has been trying to do in the past with Sword and Shield and, and whatever. So I'm like, okay, I at least appreciate that. But anyway, that's where I'm at on it. I didn't really glean much of anything new from these two trailers. I was like, Oh, okay. I guess I expected some of the hidden base stuff. I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. If they're doing that again, that was in those games, you know?
0: Yeah. The fact that they farmed this remake out, I think does not speak very highly of it. Like they didn't even do it in house. Um, which to me speaks to why it's not using sword and shields engine. You know what I mean? Like, I think that was the expectation for a lot of people is like, oh, if they're going to remake a Pokemon game on the switch, it's going to look like sword and shield. But it doesn't like like you said, it's it's a 3DS game on the switch, um, which I don't know. I did. Yeah, it just it feels it feels cheap. It feels like a cash grab. So was Link's Awakening, if you really think about it. But that was gorgeous. Oh, no, 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 not even close. That was a that was a ground up a really specific art style that they were that they were trying to do a really specific like audio visual experience. Like that game was absolutely stunning. It was beautiful, but it it didn't need to be Breath of the Wild because it's it's a Game Boy game. But like, again, we know what Pokemon could look like on the switch. And now you're basically asking us to accept a massive technical downgrade because you're investing all your resources in a fucking MOBA, like I don't, I'm not about it. I would have preferred, like whoever did Links Awakening,
1: get those artists out here to do a Pokemon game. Because it's like I'm okay with returning to like the roots of what a Pokemon game has done for 20 years. I I just I want it to look that gorgeous and like the lighting effects and like the animation, like everything about Links Awakening, outside of like some of the technical issues, like the frame rate was a little rough, but like it was a beautiful game and that. You know, this This is not that. This is very far from what it, I think it could be. So I'm okay with it not being like Sword and Shield. I wasn't a big fan of like, they're kind of like, let's make it more of a modern 3D game. We have a little more agency over like where you're roaming, but also you can only go on this very prescribed path and like changes pers- it's like very. It's like, this is not how games are made. So I'm okay with just doing a top-down game that's very traditional and very like, we know what we're getting, right? It's comfort food. Um, I just don't want it to look like a college kid developed this and selling it for 99 cents. You know, it's just, that's my thing.
2: Yeah. And for me, I don't think the art style is bad. I think what you mentioned about Link's Awakening that really puts it above, really sells it is the lighting and the animation. And Pokemon has had a really bad animation problem for years and years. Uh, basically, since the first game, there's been bad animation And what they could focus on back then was like the big, you know, Pokemon sprites and like the cool sort of battle effects. And that was the extent of their animation. And then as they've gone forward, that has never improved. I mean, just think about think about every protagonist from a Pokemon sitting there with like a stupid grin on their face and never emoting and reacting to anything that happens around them. It's goddamn travesty and it makes no sense. It's not uncanny. It's just bad. It's bad. It's bad. (laughs) It's bad. And what I'm hoping, I don't remember if we saw anything like this. I'm not going to go frame by frame on a fucking Diamond Pearl remake trailer. But what I want to see is the character reacting. I want to see some emotion on their face. I want to see, like, you're making a Chibi art style. They have a big head. Like, Chibi is designed that way for a reason. It's to show big expressions, big reactions. It's a cartoon animated thing. So if they don't utilize that, then it's just them saying, okay, we care about this Chibi style because that's what it looked like on the DS and not because of what we can actually utilize it for. Which would be incredibly disappointing. Also, the sound in recent Pokemon games has all been like very flat. Like, the soundtrack for Diamond and Pearl is cool ish from what I remember. I, f- I remember it being a, a big step up from um, Ruby Sapphire Emerald because the Game Boy Advance had awful sound chip. So, all the trumpets and shit was just horrendous. But for Diamond and Pearl being on the DS, they actually had a lot more room to do a better soundtrack. So, I'm hoping that they do like, I'm not expecting like an orchestral version, but Something I really appreciated about Link's Awakening again was their choice of instrumentation. And like, this is a small extreme quartet and like some woodwinds and like, that's about it. You know, it's a very cozy atmosphere for this island sort of dream video game. And they're sort of aping that style with the chibi and like they just added the tilt shift that depth of field effect with the diamond pearl. So that makes me think of it as like this diorama, small game. And I hope that the soundtrack reflects that in the overworld, maybe just do something interesting, like make a choice. I feel like they're always just doing the safe thing and it's never interesting. Yeah. And I don't expect them to do an interesting thing because it's Pokemon. It's like the most mainstream million seller game series of all time. It's like expecting a call of duty not to have that between like (laughs) matches, you know, you're not going to get that. It's, it's what sells copies, I guess.
1: Yeah. You know, and this is the same thing you want to talk about rehashing conversations on the podcast, Nick, (laughs)
2: This is, we've, we've,
1: we've talked about it, and it, personally, outside of the pod, we've talked about this with things like Star Wars, and, and even some of the MCU things. The to circular
2: point. conversation crusade. Let's do it, baby. Oh.
1: Um, the, the main thing is, it, it shouldn't just be about comparing where this franchise has been relative to its contemporaries in the past. It shouldn't just be about comparing it to its prior iteration. We need to look at the entire landscape at large and say, why is this company who has made more money than Pokemon is the highest earning franchise in the history of, of media ever in human existence that our standards should, should be equal to that, you know? So it's not, it shouldn't just be relative to to themselves, which is like you're comparing a rotten apple to a, a fucking rotten orange. It's like, we need to look at how it compares to their peers now and be like, listen, we should hold them to a higher standard. And we can sit here getting into the nitty-gritty, and, and stands can argue one thing, and, and guys like me can argue another thing. Like We all just want to enjoy things, and we want the things we like to be the best they can be, and that's the thing with, with this franchise in the last, I mean, really for a while now, is it's not as good as it could or, or should be, especially given their goddamn resources, right? And that's just the frustrating.
0: And what a perfect segue... To discussing Pokemon Legends Arceus, which to me was like the more substantial thing. I didn't even watch the Diamond and Pearl stuff. I'm probably going to buy the fucking game. Like you all know I'm going to buy it. Like (laughs) play it on my my beautiful (laughs) OLED model switch with the delicious screen, um, which I am not going to have in time for my trip, by the way, uh, because my buddy's buddy's wedding is on the 8th. And so I have to leave at like 5 a.m. to get there in time for everything. So not only will I not have the OLED model switch, I'm not even gonna have a copy of Metroid Dread until I can buy a second one in Oregon. So that's oh, my my son. That is how much I love <laughs> this man. Nicholas, if you're listening, you're not. Maybe I'll send you this link just so you get the shout out. I love you more than Metroid, and you know what that means. Wow. Wow. What if
1: you just what if you just buy a digital copy and preload
0: it so that you can get your save started early on the plane? Yeah, that's a good call. You should do that. Uh that is a good call. However, however. I would not be able to return the sealed copy from my special edition when it arrives to GameStop if I didn't buy a second physical copy. So that's the play.
1: BFD, you'll have three copies of Metroid. <laughs> how many? How much do you love this franchise? You
0: want this game to sell well. Buy you know two we copies. need these sales. <laughs> yeah. Buy two and copies. Keep your sealed one. Keep it. Se- I've never kept anything sealed, and I should have. Like if I'd have kept the Samus Returns. If I'd have kept the Samus Returns Amiibo sealed, I could probably get like three hundred dollars for that. I I truly think I could get like oh the one I have on my yeah on my no, shelf over I, there that I haven't opened. What's the fun of that? That's though? what I'm saying. No? That's so that's why I don't do it anyway. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Tangent, tangent. My fault. I'm a little drunk. <laughs> my bourbon glass is empty, and you saw how full it was. Um, yeah. Arceus looks Arceus looks fantastic. This is the Pokemon game I've been waiting for since I was a child. Um, and again, like I. I, I I'm finding it hard to straddle the line between all the stuff that EJ just said, which is super valid about, we need to expect more from them and to also go, you have made the truest possible sense of the term incremental changes to this franchise for literal decades. And now you are finally doing something that is different and big. And I want to reward that. And I'm excited about that. Uh, the new stuff that we saw looks, looks terrific it's very similar to Pokemon go in terms of this living overworld with Pokemon moving about in their natural habitats. You could catch them outside of battle or you can deploy your Pokemon and fight them. Pokemon can hurt you with their attacks. If you don't get a Pokemon out and just the whole concept of this exploratory, let's go out into this world that we know nothing about and let's catalog and explore. Like when we did the Metroid pod, I said, that's part of what, why I love Metroid prime so much is it felt like this big, huge unknown world that I could just drop myself into and immerse myself in. And is it a technical Marvel? No, it's not looking like it It, right now. It's kind of looking like Walmart version of breath of the wild, but like just that they are going to go so outside of their formula and take a swing like this. I I think we should roar it with our dollars. It excites me. And uh, that's part of why I don't know if I want to buy the diamond and pearl remake. I'm going to buy it. But boy, I don't know if I want to buy it. It's <laughs> because I know I've got that coming down the pipeline in three months. And so I think I'd rather like sure. keep my stoke high for that. Um, yeah, but I'm thrilled. I get what you're
1: saying. Uh, A, I think this game's getting delayed. I don't, there's no shot this comes out in January to me. But we you say it looks like the Walmart version of, of Breath of the Wild, it's funny because Breath of the Wild technically, uh, I don't mean stylistically, aesthetically, but technically, had a lot of issues and kind of looked like the Walmart version of all the other open world games we've been playing for 10 years. Um, but they, they lean so, so hard and, and so well into the aesthetic of the world and the design. It was a, it was a gorgeous game, even if it technically was a little rougher on the edges. Um, whereas I don't think legends looks it, 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 you know, it looks like what they tried to do with, with sword and shield. So at least it's like, when I see that, I, I think that's distinctly Pokemon, at least. But I don't think it's particularly pleasant. There, and technically, it, it looks like a travesty still, even with the improvements in the new trailer. But you're right, conceptually, Chris. Everything we want or have wanted, it looks like they're trying to deliver. But 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 I hesitate to get excited about it or to put any faith into this uh, team that has, you know, consistently sort of been behind the curve. For for decades, really. They're always playing catch up. And I remember when they were making Sword and Shield, and, and I can't remember, I think it was a director who came out and said, like, you know, the game got delayed, and they were talking about how difficult it was to make a 3D game. And it's like, we've been doing this for two decades. Why, why, why haven't you expanded your team? Like, there are people out there who do this on such a an epic scale compared to what Pokemon is doing that it should not be this difficult for a company with this sort of resources to like do what they're trying to do. So like, I'm a little skeptical in that regard, um, but I'm going to keep an open mind to it because like I said, they're doing, it looks like on paper, the things we've been asking for. And so I hope they execute it well, but, but using the breath of the wild as like a one for one analogy, it's like breath of the wild is so much right and a fair bit, not right. And not, I think, up to par with their contemporaries, but I also think that that team has a much longer track record of of innovating and doing really awesome stuff with those games, whereas Pokemon doesn't. So, like, I, I have a hard time being like, "Don't worry, it's going to be the Breath of the Wild of Pokemon, and it's going to be this big leap, and it's going to be." I, I Innocent, you know, guilty until proven innocent. That's what I'm saying.
0: I gotta, I gotta see it before I believe it. Okay, this game might walk so that another game can run, and I still think that will be worth celebrating. You know what I mean? Like I, we, we've been saying that for 20 years. No, no, <laughs> yeah. but okay. But think about other like I, I know this isn't like a Nintendo property per se. I know, but like know. Skyward Sword. If we didn't have Skyward Sword, we wouldn't have gotten Breath of the Wild, and I think that again, that this is the most meaningful change to the formula that they've ever made in the franchise. And I I think that that should be rewarded. And I think of, you know, like Square Enix is another sort of prototypical Japanese company that's been behind the curve for forever. People hated Final Fantasy 13. I thought it was pretty good. People hated Final Fantasy 13. And a lot of the battle systems that people sort of shit on in 13 are what made the Final Fantasy 7 remake so good. And so I I see this as like the promise delivered that it's going to happen in the future, potentially, but it's enough for me to go, yeah, I I think that this could be a sign of a sign of things to come.
2: Yeah, for sure. And you look at Pokemon and how much they've iterated between each game. And if you look at the 3D Zelda games, you can easily... I was just thinking about this comparison where you're saying, you know, Skyward Sword walked so Breath of the Wild could run, but Pokemon hasn't even had as big of a jump between games as Twilight Princess to Skyward Sword. And in hindsight, there isn't even that much different about those games. It's just like the control method. So it's yeah, this is definitely a big step for Pokemon Company and for Game Freak, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not like that that much different. I I see like the things that they're doing, the things that are changing and the innovations they're trying to incorporate. And in each one of those senses, I see them, like, hedging their bets. Like, the, the, the Pokemon combat, it's like, oh, they could have done anything with the Pokemon combat, but they did the exact same combat, except there's fast versus strong attacks. And there's, like, so, a slight variation in turn order. And, like, that's not... I mean, from the outside looking in, that's, like, not that big of a deal. And they're all things that I have to actually play the game to see how it works in the grand scheme of things and how it works in the whole, the whole game. Like, catching a bunch of Pokemon, filling out a Pokedex, that's awesome having to see them use all these different moves why why would i care about that why am i filling out this dumb checklist that seems like you're trying to fill an empty game it seems like i I want it to be a good game i want these things to be meaningful and to matter but i can't help but worry based on prior track record that it's just going to be a bunch of busy work that is not going to be very fun also and the thing about breath of the wild like obviously they're marketing this game as if it's the breath of the wild of pokemon you get the same swooping over the like behind the back open world shot. You see all these like the quiet piano trills. Like they're they're sucking that dick so fucking hard. They're trying to get that come out. They want that <laughs> Breath of the Wild money. They want it so bad. But I don't. That's not going to deliver because it doesn't have anything that made Breath of the Wild special, which was the systems and the things interacting with each other and sneaking up behind a b- a goblin and putting a fucking hornet's nest on a head on its head and it running around screaming and then you set the world on fire and then you fly up in the air and you slow down time and you shoot an arrow you're not doing that in pokemon art legends arceus you're doing a dodge roll so you're not being chased by this bad Ursaring ring with awful animation like every other pokemon game has ever <laughs> had with this stoically smiling character that this has got, got a porcelain doll for a head it's oh uh, it's not going to be great, but it might have some good ideas. And that's like where I'm sitting as far as like expectations, because I know if I have any realistic expectations, they're just going to be disappointed. What a what a fucking rant. And that's just what you come to expect
1: from Pokemon. And that's why, again, I'll say it again. I just want my Let's Go 2. Don't change the formula. Make Let's Go 1 with a new map. Just do it again. Also,
2: because contrary to Let's Go, this is like the opposite, because you're going to be battling wild Pokemon and kept capturing them but you're not going to be fighting any trainers. They haven't shown a single trainer battle in this game. Yeah. They've, which totally makes sense. They've talked about, yeah. And the over, it's before trainers also, right. A brand new open world. It's th- the ancient version of the game that we're getting three months before this one. So it's not even like a new world. It's just a place from before it was, you know, so every single yeah. time they say, Hey, let's do something new. They say, no, 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 not that new. Let's bring it back to tradition a little bit. Let's tie it into something else. How are we going to sell this game? A cute ass growlith. Love that growlith. That's okay
1: yeah no it's it's one of those things where like maybe it's just not for us anymore oh definitely but not. I, I, I you know that it's true to the extent that like I think certain companies are lazy in that they know they are uh marketing these games to people without very developed tastes uh you know so that's true but there are a lot of companies who are still making games quote unquote for kids because that's the that's the market for a lot of these things knowing that their bread and butter is not the 12 year old but it's tens of millions of of people our age who are buying video games you know so um so so i don't think i i, I never want to hear that as an excuse from a from a, a stan again uh, how it's well, it's not for us it's for kids The the Star Wars prequels weren't good because they were for kids, you know? Like, that doesn't make them good. The original Star Wars movies were for kids, and those are great movies, you know? So I don't want to hear that as a a thing. Like, Pixar movies are for children, and they're phenomenal. They are wonderful, and anyone can enjoy them. I don't want to hear that they're for children. That's just an excuse for saying, like, 12-year-old doesn't fucking know any better. Those idiots. Like, you know, give the kids more credit, A. But B, give us more credit. Quit trying to fucking dupe us. I hate that crap. And so it's okay to like... Anything, and it's okay to like things that are not generally received as great, and it's okay to want those things to be better. Like you don't. That, that, this is my issue with the fandom, and it, like the, these communities become so toxic when people are trying to like have these dialogues. And, but and this impacts we've seen with so many recent franchises. Like developers are listening to their communities. Probably not Nintendo. Probably not Pokemon Company. But a lot of these developers are beginning to listen to the communities, and when we can have constructive conversations about things and make those voices heard developers in turn listen but if the community devolves into this toxic clusterfuck it's easy to just dismiss it as being a, a toxic clusterfuck and nothing changes so when when these pokemon stands come in and they and they just start whatever the 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 dialogue is about pokemon's not for you you're just old and bitter like, we're not getting anywhere, and again, not that the Pokemon company's probably listening to us, like, the way a lot of other companies might be, you know, it, it just, it, you're you're really not making any progress, and that's the frustrating thing. Not that I'm so ingrained in Pokemon, like, literally, this is just an outlet for me to relive being a grade schooler for 10 hours every two years, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, I'm not that invested in it, <laughs> but, um, you know, but having a 12-year-old brother who has been into Pokemon over the last couple of years, like... You know, it's it's it is relevant to my life, outside of just being an old man who
2: likes nostalgia. I guess you know. Did he ever complain about Sword and Shield? Did he uh, he actually games? didn't play
1: Sword and Shield. Okay. No, I tried to get him to play. Let's go for a little bit. He he wants more action. He doesn't like the turn-based stuff. He wants more action. So like, he was really into pocket and tournament for a while. But anyway, he got really into the Pokemon training card game, which is weird. But I mm. think I had more to deal with, like the value of the cards. or, oh, yeah, or like It's the, the, the hot thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you get, you did yeah. the same
2: shit. I mean, yeah, to a degree. I mean, even happens. a couple years ago. It happens. You get swept yeah. up in it. You buy a Doge coin, you think, yeah. think, oh my God, this is so easy. <laughs> hey, listen, I made a couple
1: hundred bucks on Doge, <laughs> just as a meme, straight up as a meme. Thank like, you, Elon. I invested in a couple of different stocks and I had some dollars left over my account. I was like, fuck it. I'll go drop 90 bucks on Doge and I made a few hundred. But anyway, uh, Talk about perfect segues, Chris, this is a great way to transition into another franchise that is finally releasing a new game soon that, by all accounts, will not disappoint us. Wow! And that is (laughs) -er. (laughs) WarioWare! Yeah. (laughs) Fellas, and Nick, I'm going to let you take this first. WarioWare, they released a demo for their new game, Get It Together, and it was perfectly charming.
2: What did you think? Dude, it's just so nice. I haven't played... Actually, I haven't actually played a WarioWare game since I believe uh, Leaf had it on the Wii, which was what, WarioWare Shake It? Something like that. So I remember um, I was like high school, so going over, hanging out in the basement and uh, doing the, the mini-games where you each... like It's just one like Wiimote, and then you would get up and do a round, and then you would pass it off to the next person, and then they would do a round, and it was like a frantic sort of uh, passing the baton and doing bullshit things where you have to like put it on your head and like aim at like a you know aim an arrow at an apple or whatever and I, I just love WarioWare though I, I spent most of my time with Touched back on the DS and that game was phenomenal and when they initially showed this one I was like fuck yes WarioWare is back and also I don't know about this whole you controlling a character thing I don't know if that's really gonna capture the magic of what makes WarioWare so good but I think what it does, it accomplishes another avenue upon which it can be totally random and just like putting your reactions to the test. This is like purely a reaction game. It's more so a reaction game than like playing a new level in like Guitar Hero, where it's like a rhythm game, but you sort of, you understand the controls and what you're supposed to do. And then you have to take what you see and then do the thing. And it changes it so that you don't just see what you do and do the thing. You have to also consider, oh, my character is automatically jumping. And what I have to do to interact with this object is wildly different then as as if i I was wario and and on a jetpack and flying around and i can ram things and it turned into this sort of like metagame of saying okay these levels are not very good with this character it's incredibly difficult to be um 18 volt and to avoid the lasers that are popping over because you have to navigate through these little rings and it turns into this like okay who who's my lineup and that is also incredibly fun and i love that and but personally, I like doing the all random, all, all random everything. This is going to be crazy doing every single level. There's like, what, 200 levels in the final game? This, this demo only has 10. And even with the 10, I was just like, I was sweating bullets trying to like beat my own high score. I only got to like 42. I, I'm not like super proud of that. I never actually did like a, here's my lineup. Here's who I actually like playing as. But goddamn, this is real nice. And um, to- all my worries about controlling characters and like, it being like a more traditional gamey game version of WarioWare, totally swept away. The, the mini games that they have on, on show and each time you beat around, you get like this little splash screen of like, oh, here's some other things that we're at and here's like leaderboards and like daily challenges and that kind of stuff. I'm like, my God, this might be a game that I actually play for like a, a good amount of time as opposed to like dumping 80 hours in, in three days and then falling asleep for a year, which is wh- yeah. what I might have done otherwise. But yeah, I'm super excited for this game. I'm super excited to be playing this game on day one and talking to you guys and trying to like beat your high scores and like having it be like a meta challenge around all this other meta challenges. It's like, it's such a perfect encapsulation of what makes WarioWare great, and I'm really excited. I think this is going to be awesome. Prepare yourself.
1: I mean, you're going to definitely beat me, but, like, I'm going to make it a challenge, okay? Do it. Here's the thing. I want that. (laughs) Yeah, I love, like you said, like, the idea of you're controlling a character now, because generally, like, you are your own avatar for experiencing this, right. your finger, or the, you're waggling and you have your cursor and it's just that, right? Yeah, yeah. In this game, like you said, you're, you're controlling characters and they all have different abilities. And so you're playing the same levels, but you interact with the, those, those worlds differently um, because everyone, you know, it, like you said, Wario has a jetpack and Homeboy like shoots lasers out. One guy just jumps high, straight up.
2: I can't remember that guy's name. I, I remember everybody else's name, but I can't remember
1: his name. And so I'm curious to see how many other characters we have because then the frenetic pace of like, okay, you learn the levels in this pod or whatever, you know, this section, you learn the levels and then it starts randomizing the characters and speeds up the time it takes to like get through each level. And so you're suddenly like, okay, I have to quickly react to who, who do I have? How do I interact with this world? Boom, we're jumping in. I got to, you know, be quicker and quicker and quicker. So it gets frenetic and crazy. Like I got stressed out. I was like, I don't remember Be- Wario being this difficult before. Like, this is not particularly easy. Or I'm <laughs> just getting old. I don't know. So that's really, really cool. Um, and it feels more like a video game. Like you said, it, it isn't just like... You know, because WarioWare for me... You know, I played a little bit of the Game Boy one. Um, but I haven't really played a lot of WarioWare outside of Touched. Which I played a ton. And that was very much like... I played it to and from school on the bus. And it was perfect. It, it's what it's what mobile games have become today. The Fruit Ninjas. Or, or you know the Angry Birds, like the quick, you know, bite-sized mobile experience where you're just doing one thing repetitively. That's what WarioWare was.
2: Yeah, and you saw that when when they did their last, like, actual release with the, what was that, WarioWare DIY, which is like a weird sort of create-your-own minigame thing on the 3DS, and that wasn't great, and then there was a Wii U game that I don't even remember anything about, and it wasn't until they did that re-release, or it was like, what was it, WarioWare Gold, where they did a, a collection of their prior mini games and, like, this is just like all the best. It's like the best of release on the 3DS. That I was actually okay. Maybe they maybe they do want to go back to their roots and like re establish this as like what it is, which is just micro games, just tiny micro games right at your face all the time. And yeah, that's I decided to say that
1: <laughs> no. And 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 you know, making these avatars, uh, that make you interact with the world or, or the levels differently every time like that's huge. Like just just the replayability and the variety, and it makes a, a a game of mini games, a lot more palatable to sit down and play for a stretch. Right. Because it's just tougher for people to say, yeah, let me pull out my entire console to play a little time waster. Right. It's like you can do it on your fucking phone, which I carry with me everywhere. So this, this makes it more like, all right, I'm going to sit down. I'm gonna do the thing. I'm gonna beat. The challenges. I'm gonna try to get the high score. Like, uh, just, just in my eyes, way more replayable. Um, the first thing to me, and again, I don't have a lot of experience with WarioWare outside of Touched, which I have very strong nostalgia for. This felt... I mean, I haven't even... I played WarioWare a few years ago on the DS just for the nostalgia, but like, I played WarioWare Touched in 7th grade? 2004? Right? Came out then or 05. DS didn't come out till 04. Okay, so 04. So it must have been 04, 05, So it was like 7th grade, 8th grade, 04. That sounds right. This felt... Exactly the way it felt being on the bus out in Damascus, Oregon, playing on my shitty launch 3DS. You know, I was like, this is exactly the feeling it looks and sounds right, but doesn't play. You know, because I went back to Touched, and it's like, oh, that's cute. But like, I'm not going to sit here and play through all of it. You know, it's it's more of a chore. This didn't feel like a chore. This was like, you know, like I said the pay. I was like, holy shit, I'm doing this thing.
0: Chris, what do you think? I only ever played the original and not even on the GBA, you know, being the Nintendo simp that I am. Shout out to uh, Lindsay for that. Uh, <laughs>
1: shout out, Lindsay, uh, bro. I love and, that. And you know, I
0: fucking earned it. I fucking earned it. Um, I Yeah, I, you did. <laughs> I, bought, uh, I bought a DS on launch day, which I still have, and I bought a 3DS at launch day. And so they gave me those apology GBA downloads after they dropped the price in like three months. And so I said the ambassador, ambassador." I'm a proud, I'm not proud, but I am a proud, uh, 3DS ambassador and I still have all those titles. Um, I think ambassador is a fancy French word for simp, right? (laughs) So, so anyway, I played the original and I really enjoyed it I never played any other ones. And I downloaded the demo today to get ready for this pod and, and I sat down and I was just like jamming to this music and like literally moving around and being like, Oh man, this is so fucking catchy. And like, yeah, as you've said, the different characters, like uh, they were always kind of like interesting, like background information. And I was like, Oh man, the, the, some of these are really, really cool, but you don't really get anything from them other than being like background characters in a specific stage. I'm like inordinately excited about playing as Jimmy. Like I'm so fucking it's stoked to play as the big fucking Afro and the like handlebar mustache. Like, yeah, exactly. Like the disco dancing. Like I'm so, I can't fucking wait to find out what his ability is. Like I, he will be a mainstay. I mean, I'm going to play random because that's the fun of it. Right. Is you get like three seconds of, okay, this is my character. Okay. What do they do again? Okay. Yeah, got it. And then you have to go, okay, what do I do in this, this stage with this person? Um, and I and I, I was having so much fun. I didn't didn't even think about like how absurdist all of this is. And looking at like plucking the arm hair out of the Greek statue, and I just like looked at him posing and just started cackling with laughter. But it's like, what the fuck is this? And then. That's WarioWare, baby. And then cut back out to the like loading screen and I'm suddenly aware of like, oh, that's Wario's nose with mustache legs breakdancing in between every level and I'm just laughing my ass off and having such a fucking fun time. And I'm like, this is absolutely a game that I'm going to love to play with my wife that all those like one, two player challenges that they teased and the in-between mode. like, I, I'm just so delighted by this game and I'm so impressed with how they managed to make it different than the other iterations, how they found a way to make like multiplayer work other than just like passing the Wiimote. Um, yeah, I, I, I I wouldn't have said uh, that I'm like really looking forward to the next WarioWare game, but I played the demo and I'm just so taken by it that that's definitely going to be like a must buy for me.
2: Yeah. It takes the, uh, previous WarioWare games were really good about, Taking a central gimmick and iterating on it in the most concise possible manner. So, Touched is a perfect DS game. Twisted is a great uh, Game Boy Advance game with like the weird gyroscope on top. Uh, Shake It was amazing on the Wii. But besides those games, everything else was like a little bit rough. I remember playing a little bit of Micro Mini Games, which was the first one on the on the GBA, and it was like this is a really cool concept. And every game after it is better because it takes that concept and focuses it around a gimmick. So being on the Switch, I was concerned that maybe they would try to do the motion control gimmick again and do like another version of the Wii or do another version of Touch, which I would be fine with, but also only playing it handheld would be kind of annoying. But they took that gimmick and just turned it into, okay, we have all these different characters that control sort of alike, but they're not going to be the same and it's going to be enough to like throw you off your game. For these five second intervals, that you have a chance to get a hold of them and play with them a little bit, and I picked, I pulled up the uh, character list. There's 15 characters that you can play as, and yeah, I mean, all of them are classics for me, except for like uh, Young Cricket is the is the little little ninja boy who's like who bows to his master at the end of the level when you win. But I know I know Cat and Anna, like those are the the ki- the kindergarten ninja girls. I remember them specifically from Touch because in Touch all the characters had like their own. Uh, gimmicks as far as the stages so those were all like slashes and swipes and like the Fruit Ninja style stuff before Fruit Ninja even existed but dude so fucking pumped it's it's only like three weeks away oh wow really September 10th Yeah, this is a game that
1: like begs to be bought digitally but also like you have to have a copy on the shelf you so you like, gotta. damn
2: you Nintendo it's only 50 bucks though dude only $100 out of that pocket only- <laughs> dude um, so we only got three characters in the demo correct five well six kind of because you get Cat and Anna, but they're the same, but left and right. And then Orbilon and okay. what, Mona was the the fourth unlock. Okay, I didn't get far enough in the demo then. I got to get back to it tonight. Yeah, you just got to replay yeah. it a few times. So Cat and Anna are similar to uh, Young Cricket where their thing is they're jumping. But Cat and Anna never stop jumping. And Cat throws her Ninja Star. She has a Ninja oh, okay. Star she throws, but it only goes to the right. And Anna throws a Ninja Star that only goes to the left. So you're doing like... That's annoying. So I'm thinking like... And that's another cool thing is with the multiplayer aspect of it, as of each person playing individual characters, I feel like it's going to be a overcooked scenario where you're going to be trying to spin the windmill. It's like, no, no, no clockwise. We got to go clockwise. And someone's trying to, it's like, I can't move clockwise. I'm trying to be, you know, Orbilon, but I've got this stupid little conveyor. Was that the tractor beam? And every character is just so wildly different. Mona with her never stopping little moped, but you can go in any direction and throw a little boomerang. And that can also go in any direction. It's fucking madness. I can't imagine how that's going to like, Interact with each other. I'm really, I really want to play the the demo two player. Try to get someone over here to couch co op that shit, or just wait till the game comes out and hopefully the online oh. is an asshole.
0: Which w- it. yeah, it's gonna be bad online. That's gonna be the only downside. October, October, when I'm Hell in town, yeah. we're gonna yeah, hot we seat. It. We're gonna hot seat all four of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we gotta do it.
1: Listen, I'm trying to get Chris's COVID. Okay, in your basement, coughing my mouth, bro. Why do you,
0: why Let's you put do that it. on me, man? Like God.
1: You're the only going to be playing straight. Yeah, automobiles. On a, you'll be on, on a plane.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, according to the airline industry, <laughs> it's, oh, that's good. it's... the good. <laughs> <Yo. laughs> I can't even, fi- I, Accurate I can't even finish Accurate information. I can joke. Uh, no, but I... <laughs> I it's... <laughs> 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 it's, fine, it's fine. It's fine. It's going to be fine. I'm vaccinated. Who fucking oh. cares? Um,
1: Listen, by October, I'm going to have a booster, okay? Just give me the juice, I'm, all the give juice. Give me the juice.
2: Sigma variant like a real Chad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> bada, 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 bada. I'm going to have the Ligma variant, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, you don't want it up, man. You don't want it up. The Bofa. <laughs> <laughs> the bofa Oh, my God. Uh, outside of WarioWare, which we've all played the demo, we've all been playing some other stuff.
2: Yeah, how do we want to do this? Do we want to do, like... Do fairly positive to scathing to wildly positive? How do we want to order this this series of events for games that we've played individually?
1: I don't know if we have anything scathing. My thoughts on 12 minutes <laughs> are, are, <laughs> are actually not. Uh, so, so a lot of positive. Um, a little bit of like, what the fuck? But but are we doing know. full
2: spoilers for this game? Because it seems like a game that you can't really talk about without full spoilers. Oh. Yes, I will, we, we will
0: absolutely be oh. spoiling it. We do, Chris, you haven't no, played it yet. I haven't. And you don't know anything this about it. This is the one with like fucking Willem Dafoe or whatever, and you keep replaying the same yeah. twelve minutes over yeah. and over and over again. Fuck it. Is it on Switch? No. Then I'm not gonna fucking play it. Spoil no. away.
2: Mm-mm. It's on Game Pass and and maybe PS4 or whatever. But yeah, I, I know some of the 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 twists, but I don't know. I kinda know how it ends, but not like super super well. So go ahead and rip okay. into this this okay. bad boy EJ. Okay. So You were excited for this game, right? This was like one of the few games yes. that we watched at the uh, Xbox's E3 twenty nineteen, and you're like, that looks awesome. And I was really surprised. Yes.
1: And I, I I I was listen, I love time fuckery. I love it. That's one of my favorite tropes in, in video games and m- movies, like media. I love it. So when I saw the the trailer, I was like, oh, a vaguely sort of reminiscent of Classic point-and-click adventure games, but very contained, very bite-sized. It's a
2: thriller. It gave me Hitchcock Lynch vibes as far as the the top-down Absolutely. sort of microcosm location. It's got shining carpet in the opening scenario, so you got that to look forward to. Right. Definitely the fucking
1: shining. Okay, you walk through the the, the lobby of the apartment. It's very... You know Kubrick, but it 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 definitely interests me. I was like, listen, a very bite-sized like weird thriller like that's cool. You know James McAvoy, Daisy Ridley, Willem Dafoe. You think a game like that, like dude, you're not just fucking. I know Chris, the actor over here, the theater major is is sitting here jerking off, but (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, you know, it's some big names. Like that was not cheap. Those guys definitely spent way more on the voice actors than they did whoever wrote the fucking game. Let me tell you that.
2: I might have been. I can't remember if it was just the one guy, or his, if he's just been the the one man promotional sort of force. But yeah, this I'm this might sure. be a very very small team. I know Annapurna published yeah. it, so I think it was Annapurna that you know made their connections and got James McAvoy and Daisy Ridley and Willem Dafoe on the line. But it's sure. weird to me that they did that to have James McAvoy and Daisy Ridley do American accents, which I know that's not like too strange for British characters to do the the American characters, but. I don't know. I I feel like for a game, if you're using your budget to get voice talent, you're not necessarily getting them for the acting chops. You're doing it for the promotion. So totally. Exactly. It's a strange choice. Willem Dafoe is the only recognizable voice.
1: And that makes sense. I
2: was (laughs) for who he is and like what he does.
1: So, so the concept of the game for those listening and, and and this is full spoiler alert. You play as a, as a man living in this tiny little, tiny little apartment, like very New York uh, sort of, uh, vibe and what happens is you come home from work and you're going about your day and after 12 minutes a man shows up at the door claiming to be a cop he, he arrests quote unquote arrests your wife and then he, he zip ties the both of you uh, and depending on how it plays out he murders you and then as soon as you die you reset 12 minutes prior right as you get home from work and you you constantly relive the same 12 minutes and you're trying to figure out how to prevent that thing from happening and let me tell you the first couple hours the first 3 hours of this game and I played this with uh, our buddy Brennan who's been on the podcast. We played it together uh, via like Discord, right? The first couple hours were awesome. They were so fucking great. And Brennan and I have played other uh, games like we played uh, until dawn together like this side by side and just sort of taking turns, mostly letting him run the uh run the sticks because I'm terrified of games like that. <laughs> um but but experiencing that story together and like brainstorming and trying to make the decisions together on how to get, you know, so much fun. These games are great with a friend. That's yeah, really cool. So we're playing together. The first couple hours were just really awesome. But you hit you hit a wall at a certain point where like the level of repetitiveness where you, okay, I know I need to do X, Y, or Z at the end of this branch. But you have to go all the way back to the beginning and you have to go all, you have to remember the path and get all the way back up here and then make that that different decision. And that, it got very repetitive after a while, which I, I've seen as one of the major criticisms of the game. Um, and that's understandable. It definitely got to a point where after like three-ish hours, we were like, okay, we need to take a break because we've we've watched the same thing over and over and over and over. And even though we were making good progress, um, but it, those first couple hours were fascinating. Like just A, exploring the apartment. What can we pick up? What can we, you know, oh, highlight the painting. Look at the painting. Oh, is this going to have any relevance later on? Explore every nook and cranny. It's like, oh, we can go to the medicine cabinet. Oh, this brings up a whole new screen. Is there anything we can click on? Oh, we can go to the vent down here. Open the closet. Oh, there's a cell phone here. Like, just the classic point and click adventure, like the really subtle discovery. More than likely, there are some red herrings, but more than likely, oh, I discovered this thing. This is relevant. It might not be relevant for six or seven chapters down the line but like remember this because this is probably important and so that's great but but you unravel this thing this, this whole mystery of like okay the cop comes in then you try to tell your wife I'm reliving the same day over and over and she doesn't believe you then you got to figure out a way to convince her on the next loop how, how, what, what do I have here that I can prove to her that I've experienced that so she believes me and then and you get to a point where you figure out how to subdue the cop and then you have to interrogate the cop and this mystery of this guy, Willem Dafoe, is accusing your wife of murdering her own father, and this guy, this cop, quote unquote, was close to her father and he's trying to you think maybe glean some sort of revenge and she finally found or he finally found her. And you start to dig deeper and deeper and then you realize, oh, he's after this expensive watch that her father had because his daughter has cancer. And then you get, you know, you, you have him hogtied and you take his phone and you call his daughter and you start learning more and more about how to get to, you know, get to this guy who has like murdered you fucking 50 times at this point. Right. (laughs) Um, And figure out like, you know, and there's so many paths that lead to dead ends and you think that would be frustrating, but like, Oh, I found a phone. Okay. I'm going to call the cops at the beginning of the 12 minutes and say, Hey, get here. ASAP, there's a guy here, even though he hasn't showed up for 12 minutes. Oh, that's a dead end. And so you're, you're trying to figure out how the heck to. The, so those first few hours are just fascinating and they're so much fun. And I love how bite sized it was. It wasn't like a, like a grim fandango or like a, a monkey island. you are in this big world mm. and you're, it's just like you have three rooms, figure it out. And that was so cool. <sighs> Let me tell you guys, it did not last. Uh, oh. So y- you said Lynchian and there's a lot of that in the ending. Uh there there a few different endings. Did you get every single one or did you get one and watch the others? We got we got two and then we all we watched the 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 last one. So so it's a murder mystery, right? You're trying to figure out this cop is after you, but he he's trying to he thinks that your wife killed her father. So it comes out that the wife did sh- in fact shoot the father. However, He survived and wasn't murdered until later when she was 600 miles out of the state. So you know that now, and she knows that, and you're trying to figure out, well, who could the murderer be? Well, now you got to convince Willem Dafoe, who keeps coming and fucking killing you,
0: okay? As he is want (laughs) to. do. Yeah, 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 seriously. That that evil bastard. I'm something of a murderer myself. (laughs) I love that. Dude, he's terrifying. Back to minute
2: one. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I love you. Uh, I love the Spider-Man references. Uh, so now you're trying to figure out who could the murder have actually been. Without going into beat by beat, it turns out the twist. M Night fucking Shyamalan, and very much M Night Shyamalan style here, where the twist is actually just really bad and not laid out very clearly. This was this was not I see dead people. Okay, this was more the aliens invaded a planet full of the one thing that will kill them, which is water. Like, it's more of that kind of twist. Like, really pretty fucking terrible, but even worse than that. The plants killed the people. So, it turns out that your avatar, James McAvoy, murdered her father eight years ago and forgot, because it was so traumatic, you forgot that you killed your wife's father. But it also turns out, as you discover, because along the way, you find out that homegirl has a half-brother, and that the reason that she was so, had such a bad relationship with daddy was because he cheated on her mom with the nanny, and so she had this half-brother that that the mom called a monster, and it was this whole fucking love triangle, and this whole family drama. Well, it turns out, guys, that James McAvoy, your player character, is the half-brother, and you've been married to your half-sister for the last eight years. Also, you forgot you murdered her own father, who was also your father. And So it's like the twist is fucking terrible. And when you and find the cop out and you and is it,
2: your father's brother, who's also his, well, his husband.
1: <laughs> here's the thing though. The cop and the father are voiced by the same guy, William DeFoe. Oh, no. But it's not clear. It's like, okay, no, the father's dead, but So it's so 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 there's two things here. One, the twist is terrible. And and I said this to our buddy Dre the other day, where I was like. This guy couldn't write him, himself out of a paper bag. He literally was like, "Okay, what if you're the killer, but you forgot?" Like that's terrible. That's second grade writing. And like, okay, okay, that's not great. But what if also you're fucking your sister? And it's like
2: half sister. Why half-sister. would she do this? <laughs>
1: half sister. It's not weird. What are you, <laughs> what are you
2: doing, half bro? <laughs> <laughs> What's with like, that gun, half brother? Oh,
0: oh, oh, oh Nissan.
2: <laughs> Stop!
1: It's disgusting. And so, and the twist is even done in the right way. Like the twist is like your wife's pregnant, and she tells us, she announces it to you, and has this, these baby clothes with your mom's name on it. But you, like, you find this out over and over and over and over until you finally realize the nanny's name was also this person's name, who's your mother's name, who's your unborn daughter's name, and then suddenly you're like, wait, am I fucking my sister? And you're like, what? Like it's not even a cool reveal. Like it's like, did they really do this? And then they do the whole. Like, you killed your own dad. You're like, whoa. It's not a cool twist. The things things he does for love. You go back in time and you meet the father, your father, I guess, her father as well. And you can either choose to stay with her, in which case you kill him. Or you choose to leave, in which case you have this reconciliation with your own father. And then you go back to the present day and the apartment's empty. And it's like, oh, but like at this point, all emotional resonance is gone because you've been fucking your sister and the twist was so bad, you're just checked out. And the other option, like I said, you kill your father and you go back and then you can either choose to tell your wife that you killed the father or you can blame her and the cop comes back and kills you and resets you again. But there was like a third alternate ending, which some people say is the true ending, which is some convoluted bullshit about a therapy book and you click on the book and um, it's like this weird philosophical, like Willem Dafoe is giving you this life lesson about how choices mean something. And I, it's 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 fucking nonsensical bullshit. And it's it, trying very hard in that respect to be fucking Lynchian and trying to be deeper than it is when really it's just you fuck your sister and whoever wrote this needs some serious fucking therapy because this was like not only not good uh, uh, or well written, creatively, uh, and the tropes were like so second grade, but also like extremely weird. We are you just trolling people? Do you think this was gonna resonate? This is like so just over the top. So it sucks that like a a game that had so many great mechanics and did this point and click adventure thing in a refreshing, unique way, and and I was really interested in that mechanically and was really engaged by
2: that, was just fucking thrown out the door by just
1: an awful script.
2: I'm not surprised that this was like an art house sort of up their own ass sort of take, but I am surprised at how mixed of a reception it is critically, and hearing how much you hated it, or didn't hate it, but... I liked it a lot, but I also hated it. I think you're leaning towards scathing as far as like, you wouldn't have hated it as much if you didn't like the first three hours, right? You would have just been like, okay, this is boring, and I don't like this. As a game, I quite liked it as a narrative but this game is the narrative like it's so heavily structured on that so 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 yeah I, I i think it's strange that or not i don't i don't know usually with these sort of like artsy kind of games it's it's much more universally praised whether or not it really deserves it i guess so that's kind of interesting that's my sort of interesting third party sort of outside sure. looking in perspective the console
1: community is almost unanimously loving this because I don't think they've had a lot of exposure to this. I think the Telltale games were like a big thing um, but they haven't had a lot of exposure to the point and click sort of uh, formula. The PC community hated it. This was 4s and 5s across the board from all the PC specific
2: outlets that I saw. I wonder also if that has to do with like you saying you don't really like the twist was very uh, surface level or even if it wasn't surface level it was just kind of a bad boring twist but I feel like maybe a lot of console players aren't exposed to that sort of narrative or a lot of people are like, oh, because it has a twist that makes it more interesting, sort of like the initial reaction to, oh, Game of Thrones kills a lot of its characters. Like, that's not the point of why they're killing off characters, but that's what the takeaway is because it's a very mainstream sort of reaction to it. And this being on Game Pass also broadens the audience to a bunch of people that would have never bought this game for, I think it's what, $25 and like $25 for a six to eight hour sort of experience that is lynchy and doesn't necessarily make copies fly off the shelf. And, and
1: I got to say, we barely scraped five hours. And even then it felt like by the end, it was like the dregs. Like it really was like, Oh man, like just, it's getting so repetitive. So I think if people are saying they're getting eight, 10 hours out of this game, it must've been a much more miserable experience for them trying to but get like,
2: Dude, the repetition is representative of the man's mental trauma and his turmoil
0: through killing his father that he forgot. That's some smooth brain shit playing eight hours on a game like that, I gotta say.
1: For real, yeah. I mean, we we, we like I said, we barely scraped five, five hours on it. But I will say, again, mechanically and conceptually, like, I was so intrigued by this and haven't really played a game like this in, in, since I was a kid. Monkey Island, right? Curse of Monkey Island. And that I don't have a lot of patience for as an adult. Co oping it seems like the right choice, a thousand percent. But like we went and we started Grim Fandango yesterday. Mist remastered or remake? Mist remake comes out in like three days. Like we are one thousand percent downloading that on Games Pass and playing together. My mom loved
2: Mist. The
1: remake literally comes out like this
2: week. I know. I need to. I should probably hop on. I should probably
1: buy that for her. You know, that would be that's so cool. That's so cool. I would, dude. In some weird world where we can get your mom to talk on a podcast
0: about MIST after we've played it, it would be amazing. That'd be awesome. <laughs> if you if <laughs> you get so an cool. Enter dude. Time to commit to being on this podcast, I will play Myst.
1: Yeah! And we won't even swear at all, Nick. I'll completely watch my language the entire time. I'll agree to that that right now. I guarantee
2: she won't go back to prior episodes and be like, wow, I I listened for 10 minutes and I couldn't get past it.
1: No, my mom tried to listen to the podcast once upon a time and she was like, nope, Nope. couldn't do
2: it. You guys swore too much. i was like, I'm sorry, Sorry. mom. That's how we talk. Sorry, Cheryl. (laughs) We're not smart enough to use our Um, words good.
1: (laughs) I like to use swear words for emphasis, Hmm. okay? Also, I'm a fucking monkey, so... Whatever.
0: But anyway, that's my, my rant on Speaking uh Speaking of minutes. monkeys, if we're talking about games we played recently, I want to give like two minutes to something I literally just played for the first time last night that was one of the more like interesting avant-garde gaming experiences i played. Have y'all heard of a game called Ape, Ape Out? Out? Ape Out, yeah. Yeah. Have you played it? <laughs> I watched my buddy Dre play it. So it, it's, it, it's this really very like uh, block of color, cell shady kind of thing. And it's got this, like, very Birdman-style, like, hot jazz drum soundtrack. And that's, like, all the music. And you're literally this gorilla who is escaping from this facility. And it's, it's top-down. You can only see the, like, borders of the maze, basically, that you're getting out of when you get close to them. So the world kind of reveals itself as you move. And it's just this, like, drum score. You have two commands. Other than moving, you can either grab the different soldiers that are trying to stop you and aim them at different people and like right if you grab them they'll like fire a shot so you can use them to like hit people and and pushing them so you can like grab them throw them they hit the wall they splatter and every single time that you grab somebody or you shove someone you get like a big kick on the cymbal or a big fill and it just like creates the soundtrack as you're playing the game basically and so it's just this different like again like free jazz drumming as you're like running through is this big, like pixelated color, like block gorilla. And I I was just like, what the fuck is this? This is like one of the most interesting things I've seen in a minute. And there's four different albums basically that you play. And each of them have uh, uh like eight to 10 stages. And you get through like the first half and it flips over to side B and the track changes when you're going through the different environments of this maze. And there's like different types of enemies. So there's like a normal enemy that fires a single shot. If you hold them There's a heavy that fires like a shotgun blast. And then there's guys with explosives that you have to be really careful with because if you throw them into the wall too close you, they'll blow you up and you'll die. Uh, and it's procedurally generated. So like the maze you're getting out of is a little bit different every time. And you're just making this soundtrack as you go. And uh, I mean, like I was pretty high when I played it last <laughs> night and it was it was fucking wild. I was like, it made me want to keep playing. And uh, the music was just like so engaging and you know, the gameplay is really simple. So it's like, okay, how do I get through these different pickles? Like, you know, you rip this like metal door off of a, a wall and then you're moving through this like long hallway. And so it's like, okay, how can I like keep the shield? The door is a shield in front of me. And then like throw it at the right second to hit the guy with the explosive. So he doesn't blow me up. Um, Yeah, it was so interesting. It was so strange and interesting. It makes me want to like buy it and go back and do the other three, the other three albums, the other three levels that I didn't do. It was just a weird little fun little game.
1: Drums, music, monkeys, roguelite. This is like my
2: wet dream right here. (laughs) The only thing that kind of turns me off to it is it's like a top down. It's sort of like if Hotline Miami was a procedurally generated uh, monkey puzzle. (laughs) So it's still it's still like the murder puzzle aspect of Hotline Miami, but with this procedurally generated jazz drum track that's happening while you're playing it, it's very striking looking. I would recommend looking at like a gameplay trailer or something like that. It's really fucking
0: cool. Yeah, so that's just a little, like literally two or three minutes on this, this weird fucking game that I played last night.
1: There's something else you've been playing, and we're going to get to that in a minute actually because now that I think about it, Nick, you've also been playing Monster Hunter Stories. Chris, you've been playing Hollow Knight... And that's one of Nick's favorite games ever. And you being a huge Metroid fan, you guys are going to deep dive on that in a second here. But Nick, tell us a little bit about Monster Hunter Stories. This is a game that I thought looked like it dumbed the Monster Hunter experience down to its essence and then put it in a really cute chibi skin, which was like way more my speed than a typical Monster Hunter game. So I'm kind of curious to know, how you felt about it now that you've beaten it and if it's something that i should look into
2: it's really nothing like monster hunters so if that's what you're expecting then i would change your expectations this is even better this is like a, a pokemon game or a dragon quest monsters game uh Hell so yeah. it's turn-based combat you see the monsters out in the field before you before you engage in combat with them you start off and it's got a, a like a cute sort of it's i mean the the basis of it is monster hunter and like the characters and like the story is all monster hunter and sort of like the, um, different ways that these different groups of people interact with the ecology and interact with these monsters that just exist and how some people are hunters and they try to, they try to influence the environment to make sure that there's not too much of one monster ruining every, everybody else's life or you have riders, which is what your character is where you are more in a, symbiotic relationship with a with a monster and you're it's all this like very rpg anime wording as far as the kinship between you and your monstie and they say monstie all the time so you just have to no you have to let me say it at least <laughs> once but your monster homies are your monsties and they're ones that you hatch from eggs that you steal from nests and that is your uh your method of acquiring these monsters it's not a pokemon system where you are just capturing a weakened monster. In fact, I think Pokemon is the only one of these kind of monster collecting games that really does that. Most other ones have different methods like the old Shin Megami Tensei games. You had to talk to monsters and if they aligned with you um, on a philosophical level, then they had a higher chance of joining your your party. Or in Dragon Quest Monsters, what you do is you'd feed them different quality of meat so you could give them beef jerky and they might join you or you can give them a sirloin and they're like really heavily likely to join you. So they've got that for their acquisition that when you fight a monster, there is a likelihood that it will run away and you can follow it to its nest. And then that nest has a egg in it that has a higher likelihood of belonging to that kind of monster. So you can focus in on more of that. But every other den that you see is like procedurally generated and it's like a sub dungeon in the overworld. And at, once you get to the end of that, that dungeon, there is a nest in which you can get an egg that is like a random, like kind of like a gachapon sort of oh i'm gonna see what i what i pick up and they'll show you the egg and you can learn okay this egg uh the markings on it is the style of wyvern so i know this is a flying wyvern and the colors sort of look like what it could be a puke puke who's this like poison chameleon lizard dragon thing so you can be like oh i want one of those to round out my party or it has this uh, specific stat that i can use to uh has this method where you can take it's like a three by three grid that bases uh like a stat buff sort of uh, like a skill tree almost but like you can modify it very intensely and if you really want to like get deeply engaged and uh work with those systems you can i you don't really have to because the game's kind of easy and there's like a very solid post game if you really want to dive into that and that'd probably be more useful there but all these monsters that you're picking up they're useful in in ways beyond them just being part of your party which is also kind of nice but because, like, in a Pokemon game, you just end up having a PC that's full of crap because you just want to get one of each monster, right? So that's, like, your main reason to get these these Pokemon is to fill out the decks. But besides that, there's no real reason for you to catch a Clefairy if you already have a Fairy Pokemon or a normal Pokemon or whatever you have in your six that you want to... That that, w- that would slot into it. So it's nice that these monsters have um, some use to your real party, you know, your your main six. There's also... As you're exploring different monsters, as you're riding them, we'll have different field maneuvers where you can like ping the map and like highlight different collectibles or highlight where monsters are, or highlight where these procedurally generated dens are, or interact with the environment like climate vines to get to a higher area to pick up a treasure chest, you know, that sort of thing. But it's very straightforward as far as like a, an RPG in like its overall go to town, talk to townspeople, do a couple quests, fight the monster at the end, go back story quest story quest story quest kind of thing get some side quests do that but the combat i think is really interesting and it's very boiled down um we talked about this last time where we're talking about pokemon and just talking about how all of the elements and the like types of pokemon it becomes overwhelming and it is very difficult and that's like the only difficulty in the combat is remembering what is psychic strong against is fairy strong against psychic where's dragon come Is ice good against rock or just ground? (laughs) Uh, Is water defensive against? uh, This is too much stuff, you know? So in this, there are are elemental stuff, but each monster has a specific element it's weak against and a specific element it's strong against. And as you fight the monster, you learn that. And it'll come up in your little monsterpedia thing. So you can focus on that. Or the main focus is uh, each monster will cycle through different styles of attacks. So it's like a weapon triangle thing where there's strong speed and technical and or power speed and technical and power beats technical technical beats speed speed beats power so you just look and you think this guy looks like a big beefy boy i think he's gonna do a power attack so i'll probably focus on speed i'll swap out my speed monster which doesn't like waste their move or anything and i think i'm gonna go for their tail so i'm gonna take out my sword because a sword might do more damage against a tail and then if we counter that attack that i'm guessing they're gonna do then that nullifies their attack, and it increases the damage that your attack does. So it turns into this rock paper scissors match where you're guessing based on what they do and like what your knowledge is, but from previous battles, to nullify their attack completely, because these monsters can just like fuck you up super quick if you don't like know what they're gonna do and if you don't uh, counter it properly. So I thought that the combat was very engaging throughout. Um, the combat animations are awesome. They take way too much time though. So. Whenever I would fight, like, a new monster, I'd, like, turn down the speed back to, you know, 1x, and then after that I would triple it, because even at triple, it's like, this takes way too long. And eventually you'll get to the point where you can go into a combat encounter and just skip the battle if, like, you're way overleveled from them, which is also a very nice sort of uh, bit of improvement. And as you are attacking and doing these uh, counters, you're building up this kinship gauge, which then you can use on special maneuvers based on which weapon you have out there's like six weapons i mean there's like a lot to it but it's still like fairly easy to sort of wrap your head around and it was never overwhelming to me and it was uh interesting that as i uh played you know you kind of get these uh strategies going where say you have a hammer out and your hammer only builds um has its own little separate gauge that only builds when you're doing counter attacks so you have to know like what you're countering And then as you build that gauge, you can, like, unleash a super powerful attack with just your hammer. Or you can focus your kinship gauge on filling up all the way, and then you can ride the monster and do this, like, cool, like, mega attack. It's sort of like an overdrive from Final Fantasy. So you always feel like you're moving the goalpost forward. Like, you're always, like, accomplishing small goals throughout a larger battle. And I thought that worked really, really well, especially in, like, the the harder boss encounters where there's, like, multiple phases and everything's, like, the stakes keep rising but you still feel like you're accomplishing small things even though you can't really see the the boss's hp until you've faced the monster before so you don't know how much progress you're actually making you're just seeing the numbers pop out and you're like okay that was a good move but i don't know how much i'm actually how close i am to beating this thing which is very monster hunter and overall i just i like the combat it was a little bit slow sometimes but and then if you come to this for like story i mean it's a very much like a children's kind of story it's got like big character you know friendship beating the the bad guys kind of vibes and the voice acting is very like children's anime so you kind of have to like go into that expectation as well but if you're looking for something that kind of scratches the itch of a pokemon without being pokemon at all then i think this can scratch that itch but you just have to go in like knowing that what you're getting yourself into i guess i think i spent about 40 hours beating this game i haven't done any post-game stuff there's totally way more stuff i could do i could try to face all the unique monsters there's like unique stronger versions of enemies that will one shot you every time so you have to do like perfect counters basically all the time which is really cool and it's like yeah. that that adds tension and stakes to a fight that wouldn't normally exist but had a good time i would i would put this would, in like an 8 range personally it's funny you say
1: that like because i am looking for an experience like that like the pokemon the really easy the low stakes the just sort of a uh, a, a, a adventurous romp with some, you know, feel good, like enough systems to engage me, but not enough to overwhelm me, you know. And, and you know, I was actually going to ask about the story um, because I look at Monster Hunter, whatever the one that came out on PS4, uh, PS4 World. it just felt like systems upon systems upon systems. It was overwhelming. It was, it was too much, you know. And and, and I I don't, I'm not looking for that uh, in my day to day gaming. You know, uh, I just, I don't have the patience or the time. My mental health is too poor for a game like that, okay? It just brings me down, boys. <laughs> but with something a little bit lighter, enough to keep me engaged. So I'm curious to try it. Is there like a demo for this game? Yeah, there is a demo. Okay.
2: I, there's a demo on Switch. I don't know if they ever released one for Steam. I would recommend um, for you, I feel like you would find it unplayable on Switch. Oh, really? Because of how up and down the 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 frame rate is and it is unlocked which is nice when you're in like a small area and the the game is like running you know top speed and it's hitting like 60 frames per second but it is never never running at 60 fps it is always like wavering rapidly between like 25 to 35 oh, oh and it's the frame pacing that really like makes it rough and it's like tough and i i got past it i got through it i was okay with it i made my peace with it but I know for you personally, you you would not That's, you would not want that experience. You'd get super frustrated. You'd would, you'd would rage quit immediately. What a
1: what a detriment! So many really fun games have been ruined by you know technical issues like that. That's frustrating, man.
2: If you can play a demo on Steam, if they have that, I would recommend you do that. If not, then try the demo on Switch and not base it, your judgment on it on how it runs because on PC you know you're going to be running it just fine. But just to sort of engage with the mechanics they actually give you quite a bit of like room to play with as far as like the demos breadth and depth like you can you can catch monsters or catch eggs and and hatch them and sort of interact with a lot of systems before you're you're kicked into a please buy the game for real this time sort of screen so i would recommend it i mean i think you might there's a good chance that you would bounce off it and i can't you know, predict that. But I think if you're looking for a sort of Pokemon like experience, this definitely has that for you. Sure.
1: It feels like maybe we have enough Pokemon like experiences coming down the pipeline that maybe
2: you might be Pokemon doubt. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> but I mean if you if you talk about like, you know, the contemporaries to the Pokemon sort of fad and like what other companies are trying to do, there was there's was a lot of, you know, followers of that back in the Game Boy era. That was a very hot sort of thing to copy and make your own version of. But most games do not try to do that these days and I don't know if it's just like how big it is to like have that many monsters or how difficult it is to create that many characters or what have you You've seen like spinoffs like Dragon Quest has that, that spinoff that I love but for something like Monster Hunter it makes a lot of sense they have a huge sort of catalog of monsters to to work with but not a lot of other Pokemon likes these days except if you're like some indie game that nobody actually wants to play because people don't want to play a pokemon like they want to play a good pokemon so it's hard to sort of make that balance
1: although you saw you saw success with franchises like yokai watch i mean enough success that they got sequels right yeah kind it of it wasn't for us <laughs> almost that's one of right. those few times you are like no that's it's not for us but like yeah. enough that they were putting out multiple versions of sequel
2: games you know like okay and i think i think monster hunter stories from what i heard of the first one i never played the first one just the second one here and the first one seemed like it's kind of it kind of leaned younger, like more towards the yokai watch kind of crowd. But this one is a little bit less like it's still a very PG, like think of it as like a PG movie or a G movie, even that you're like watching with a kid brother. And like the stakes aren't ever like that high, but like you see people fall to their death and like that kind of stuff. But it's like kind of cutesy in that sort of way, still. Right. Like it's slapstick It's kind of, like, it's not, it's not heavy, yeah, but it's yeah, like, you know, yeah. a lot of puns because one of your main companions is this little cat guy. With a super big chibi head, and he says stuff. He calls you Potner because he's your potner. Oh my you know?
1: god, it's adorable. Yeah,
2: and he says positively claudacious. You know stuff like that.
1: That's terrible. That's just you got to know what you're getting that into. That's just, just full full disclosure. This is for kids. <laughs> this this actually is for kids. It's not just an excuse we peddle out there because we're bad at our jobs. No. Yeah. Well, let's let's dive into a little bit of Hollow Knight, a game, Nick, that you have really tried to get me to to play and i did i did try it and i bounced off it pretty hard
2: yeah which i understand because i mean i i just understand i get it the the way it does exploration is very um it's unforgiving there you go just go just go do it just go do the yeah. thing the combat i thought you would like because you like that sort of fast uh low damage but you're hitting the thing a lot which is very fun and reactive so i thought you might like that but it wasn't enough to keep you hooked but for chris i told him Hey, if you want to play the best uh, Metroidvania game of all time, then this is this is the one. This is the one you got to play. And he's like, "Oh, I've tried, but I didn't get into it. But I'll, I'll give it a real shot this time." And he finally fucking did. So here we go. Dive into this because Chris,
1: being the longtime Metroid fan, and we just we just we're coming off the heels of the podcast where we you you two specifically really deep dived on on the Metroid franchise. Nick claims this is the best Metroid game, Metroidvania game, but that includes Metroid. And Castlevania games, I assume. In his opinion, this is the best one. This does the formula better than any other game that's come before it. So I'm curious now that you've just beaten it. This is so fresh. I want to (laughs) know. I want to know when I come back.
2: Let me ask this question and then
1: leave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I have to pee so bad, fellas. It's been two hours.
2: (laughs) You got that cup right in front of you. I'm going to let
1: it out. I'm not going to pee in front of you, fellas. Not again. (laughs) Again? again? Oh dude. Freaking again? Nick has seen it all, brother. <laughs> it's true. Things
2: I wish I could traumatize out of my brain and forget until I face my cop,
0: not father, Stop. and my sister-wife. <laughs> Stop it. Okay, I'll be right back. I mean, really, if Daisy Ridley was your half-sister, I'd think about it. Anyway, um <laughs> So, I um, you know, I said this in chat when I was a ways into the game. Uh And I'm doing this while EJ's not here, so he can't crow triumphantly, but this is a better Metroid game than Metroid's ever made, in my opinion. Um, It takes the atmospheric, moody, isolated experience of exploring this strange subterranean world and just elevates it to a level that I, I didn't even know was possible um you know the, the 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 art direction with all these little bugs that are you know there's so many similarities between them in terms of uh, the the masks that they wear or don't wear and w- what that means and uh how it impacts the way that they interact with the world and the, the i mean the the soundtrack's fucking incredible like i would listen to it 7 days a week twice on sunday thank uh, god it's on spotify right just like i need oh. to get hyped up i'm going to put on the mantis lord battle music oh and what a battle that was um <laughs> but i just i i am i am shocked at how good this game is like literally shocked at how good this game is that i started it a geez, a couple of weeks ago and was like dabbling a little bit but in the last week went like full on like binge mode for, for sure, just yeah. a couple a couple days of just long long play times and i put almost 40 hours into this game um to uh, uh beat it to completion but i i i'm having a hard time with the fact that the way that I proceeded through the game isn't like the way that you proceed through the game because it felt so fucking natural to find everything in the way and the order in which I did. But I know that there are myriad ways that you could have like come upon all these things. Like I'm very, you know, I love exploration. I'm a big, I'm a big Metroid fan. And so I dumped all of my like in-game currency into things that would aid my exploration like the quill to record new areas and the, uh, uh, the lantern, uh, fly items so that i see in dark. Yeah. So that I could see in dark places because I wanted to be able to explore everything. Um, you know, at the cost of a lot of stuff that would have aided my combat because I wanted to be able to go anywhere and just that I would be, you know, poking around an area like the crystal peaks and go, Oh, awesome. Like there's something over there. I wonder if I can jump to that. I can't. Oh, I have fallen into this completely different area. I wonder if that's the only way to get here. Oh, they've given me this item, the dream nail. And then later discovering, Oh, that's a major, major, major quest item. And that I could have accessed this area in so many different ways, but that it just felt like that's the way it had to happen.
2: That would have been the way it had to happen. (laughs) Because I, I think that the way I got to the, uh, that's the burial grounds, right? Or something like that. The grave, the, the, the
0: resting grounds, the, the resting, resting grounds. grounds.
2: Yeah. I, I th- I'm pretty sure I got to the resting grounds through the tram and you get to, you get the tram key, I believe in city of tears or something like that. And I think I, that's how I got to the resting grounds. That is fascinating. You get the tram. you get the tram key like way in deep nest. Yeah, I did. I did deep nest right after mantis lords. I just went, I just kept going and I had, I had gotten the luma fly similarly. So I was just like, well, this place fucking sucks, but I'm just going to keep going.
0: <laughs> That's so interesting because as soon as I got in there, I went, ah, I'll come back to this because I had so many other things that I went, oh, I can't get there yet. How do I get there? And so I like left deep nest alone. I, I the tram key was like one of the last items I got. Uh, and I, I barely used it as a result. But uh, yeah, I just I I am absolutely shocked. How good this game is. The the combat is just like pitch perfect. It's it's so well balanced. They kept they did the formula of like enemy iteration that you see in games like Metroid. That you've got like your thing crawling on the bricks and then your armored thing crawling on the bricks and you got your flying enemy, then your flying enemy that's going to dart at you and your flying enemy that's covered in moss or whatever. Your Flying
2: enemy that shoots projectiles that shoots three projectiles that dives at you. I mean, there's so many enemies right. in this game.
0: It was just such a haunting and beautiful experience. And I, I in chat, you know, Nick, Nick, you had said, like, what, it, you know, imagine if Metroid did NPCs like Hollow Knight. And I mean, like, first of all, imagine if Metroid did NPCs like period full stop. But
2: all I played these, corruption. Like,
0: <laughs> stop. Just, <laughs> just just stop. Um, we don't speak of that. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, all of these characters that you'd meet and just uh, little, sometimes they just be little one-off one-off encounters. And you just hear this interesting little nugget about like why they're down there or, or what they're doing. And, and then sometimes they, you know, they'd come back and you get to see them have these little arcs like, uh, Oh, what's the guy that's got the shell on his head. Oh, and quirl? you. Or yeah, quirl, 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 or quirl, uh, yeah. He's awesome. And then, And then you run into him when you were in, uh, the teacher's, uh, the teacher's archives. And he said, you know, she's been speaking to me and this is important. You know, you need to do what you're doing. And then running into him again, again, almost at the end of my entire playthrough at the blue lake where he's like, I just, I just want to, I just want to rest for a minute. And I'm like, holy shit. Like this is making me really emotional. And, or, uh, uh, cloth, you know, the big, the big woman who is just like, I'm, I know I'm big, but I'm having such a hard time being strong. And then seeing them come into their own and then they're assisting you in this boss fight and you beat this boss fight and then they get run through. And I literally gasped like I get spoilers for Hollow Knight or whatever, but like I literally gasped out loud and was just out just stunned at the fact that it it, it could just be over like that. But that's the kind of world that it is. It's just brutal. And yeah, the lore really drew me in and made me interested. And I was like, who is this? who is this little shadow that I'm playing? Like, what are you like? What is your purpose? And then finally, you know, finally coming to discover that you're just one of many that were created to basically serve this kingdom by bearing the burden of holding this infection in your body and keeping it at bay. But knowing when I finished with one of the bad endings that it was just going to, it was just going to continue over and over and over again of, of you taking that place. And then someone's going to have to come take your place eventually. And then being able to break that cycle by, you know, killing God, which is very JRPG of them to do. Uh, and it's different when God
2: that... is a moth, though. The Radiance moth.
0: <laughs> yeah. And oh, God, the whole start to that fight. The, the first time that I fought the Hollow Knight, I, you know, a Hornet came in and, and stuck him and cracked the thing open. I saw all the dream. I saw the essence coming out. I was like, oh, I can absorb that. Like, that's like the. That's like when I was fighting the when I was encountering the, the dreamers, you know, I mean, I'm going to absorb that essence and th- that wasn't working. And by the time I figured out it wasn't working, like Hornet had gotten tossed off and, you know, I got a bad ending and I went, oh, oh, OK, 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 I can use the dream nail. So I hit it with the dream nail and it sucks me in and you climb up on those platforms and, you know, the, the little icon comes with this challenge and just seeing him like turn and face the horizon and like whip the nail out to the side and seeing the sun fucking like grow wings and turn around and then just this wipe to a white title card with black lettering for the boss fight with this huge like operatic score flip like I got fucking chills all over my body like I'm getting them right now like it was one of the coolest video gaming experiences I've had in a minute and it was a fucking hard fight like it took me I couldn't do it last night I tried for like 90 minutes just to beat this boss I couldn't do it so I went back today and I, I I played the rest of the DLC I hadn't done. I did the Grim Troop, which was a neat little detour. I see why you said it was a pain in the ass, like fighting those little things that like flit around everywhere were stupid. But did you do the second Grim fight? No, I didn't. I, I, I opted to. <laughs> I, well, I was compelled by what uh, the accordion player, like his, his whole. He's like, I just want this kingdom to sleep in peace. And I was like. God, that's literally my objective in this whole game. Is like, let this kingdom be at peace. Like, how could I not be compelled by that? And I guess I I just happened to go to the one. There were four spots I could have gone to, like, Harvest Flame, right? Right. And I just happened to go to that one first. And just knowing that, like, people could have played that game and never known that that was there. Like.
2: He also has, he has, he has other endings as well. Like, you're talking about the the cloth subquest is, that's missable. You don't have to have her join you in that fight. And after that fight, you can see her back at, um, Dirtmouth and you can talk to her and she'll say, you know, I, I couldn't find what I was looking for here. And I, now I just have to keep wandering. I have to keep looking and she leaves. And like, that's another version of that ending where she doesn't have that warrior's death where she, she helps you and gets killed, but that's what she wanted because she was trying to join her dead lover. And it's just like, this is all in a game with like cartoon bugs and like, it still has better storytelling and character development than like it, it. Everything about the way they tell story is completely cribbed from something like dark souls, which I think that's another game that I obviously have been pushing for you to play. But the fact that this little 2d metroidvania that costs $15 and you can play for 40 hours is a more well, like well realized version of
0: that, that method of storytelling is phenomenal. <laughs> it's mind blowing. Yeah. I just, I'm shocked to hear you say that that would have, could have had a different outcome. Like, again, it just, it just felt like it, everything feels like it has to happen that way. But I know that there are so many different like paths and ways that you could choose to traverse this world and in different orders that it just feels like there can't be another way. Like that, that has to be the way that that happened. And, you know, now that I've like finished out, everything in the way that I did, you know, would I have left Zote to die in deep nest? Probably he's a douche, but at the same time, like (laughs) it was so worth it to save him and then find him in the Coliseum and just whip his fucking ass in front of all those people just was so fucking satisfying. And then he stole my girl. That was a, like another fucking douche move. Like I come back to I come back to dirt mouth and he's just like, chatting up that bug that's been in love with me for forever
2: i love that storytelling too because if you did you uh, i think she has like a key to her house if you go in her house before you save zoe and he comes back up she has like all this fan art and fan fiction of of her being saved by you and you're like this big like you're this amazing handsome bug that saved her in her story and you see yourself and you're like this is really funny and then when you go into her dream later and it's her in love with zoe and you fight you know gray prince you know magnificent mighty zoe and he's just big version of himself with a still his dumb little head. He does the same stupid attacks, but they're actually effective this time. He jumps through the ground and lands and like it's, there's so much storytelling that happens that isn't just like text on a screen or a voice in your speaker. It's, it's what you see and like how you interact with it. And that's what games do so great. And it's, it's it's so fucking funny and
0: awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I kept going back to her house to like read the journal entries. She, the diary entries she was writing as they got updated And then for it to like suddenly switch to Zote, I I felt like a little jilted and I was like, I'm glad I can go in the basement and like hit the shrine with a dream nail and like beat Zote's ass in her dream because I just, I don't know, like it just, it just compelled me and this, this whole decaying world and people still trying to find a way in it and that, that people would still
2: even exist in a world like this. Like when you go and save Sly. And then he opens up his shop and then later you find out that he is the nail sage that trained the nailsmiths. <laughs>
0: it was fucking unbelievable. Like for, for just a random thing like that. And I, I, I just, I, I didn't see any of it coming at any stage of the game. Yeah. Like getting all the nail arts and coming back to like, say, Oh, does he have more charms? And go, Oh, he has a basement and going into the basement him to be like, yeah, it's me. I was like, that's fucking unbelievable. Like this tiny little cricket I saved in the introduction area who's the shopkeeper is this just like incredible incredible swordsman and gives me like in my opinion one of the best one of the best charms in the whole game that lets you quick charge your uh your nail arts i mean i was like spamming great slash all fucking day long every single boss fight
2: love just the sound like, design of that that hit that is it reminds me <sighs> of it doesn't sound like it but it reminds me of the satisfactory hit you get from the home run bat and super smash brothers just that ping sound, that thump that you get when you get the fully charged nail. So goddamn good.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, just the the way that you can really effectively make so many different builds.
2: Dude, just the charms system. It's like Paper Mario writ large. It's amazing. That's the kind of skill tree I want where it's customizable based on the the uh scenario that you're in. You're like, oh this i cannot get close to this this boss fight so i'm going to actually start using these spells and do like distance attacks and like try to try to get focus up these this essence while in the meantime it's
0: i love the way you can approach things differently based on this huge toolkit that you get and it it sort of asks you to also that i would I, i'm i'm very and i'm very bad about this in in RPGs that i have like the way i want to play and i will beat my head against the wall without changing my like loadouts unless the game very clearly says you don't have a choice. And the final right. fantasy seven remake did a great job of that, where it was like, if you don't understand the way that these four characters skills could be used, you're going to have a bad fucking time. And it was the same in hollow Knight with some of the warriors graves that I went, I am just not able to beat this. And it's like, well, you don't really have time to heal. So why are you wasting three charm slots on the quick focus charm when you could be doing something that makes your spells cost less to cast and make them do more damage, right? Like it, it asks you to consider the systems carefully when you're approaching a situation or even, uh, traversing an environment like in the white palace, man, I probably, it probably took me like two and a half to three hours to get through that whole environment. And it's literally nothing but platforming. But eventually I went, Oh, why do I have all these combat charms on? I'm literally not fighting anybody. When I could use the uh, hive soul or whatever, the one from, from the bee's nest, right. that literally every time I would like, hit a spike and have to restart, I could just wait and that health would regenerate.
2: Or even something like the, the long nail, if you get the two um, ones that extend your reach, that also extends your reach for uh, like doing the down swipe
0: so you can bounce off the, the saws easier. I didn't bounce off a damn one of those things. I didn't even want to fuck with that. I was like, no, I'm gonna perfect platform all of this and avoid them. I don't want to touch them. So I didn't even think that you could do it a different way. Like, well, there's. Did you do White Palace or did you finish the Path of Pain?
2: That gives you the little cutscene with the uh, the Pale King and the Hollow Knight. What is that? Oh man, there's there's another area that you can access inside the White Palace that is a harder version of the platforming up to that point, and you go like up and around, and then you get a little cutscene that uh lends even more light it's if you think the the scene where uh from the abyss that you saw was lightning it's it's like that <laughs> how do
0: i what i th- i combed this sh- i combed this shit out of that palace like and then it where cultivates the fuck was that?
2: it cultivates in a fight against two king's molds which are
0: the uh the guy that not the yeah yeah the, yeah yeah, yeah. You know, yeah those guys where, so God, i'm gonna ass. have to i'm gonna have to look at that because i i thought that i had went everywhere that i could possibly go there wow
2: yeah because otherwise you just get the uh you get the corpse of the pale king right and that's where you get the the half of the king's brand and then you get the other half
0: of the white lady yes yeah, so that's where you get the other half of the of the king of the uh, king soul yeah
2: so dude, it's just it's so unfortunate too because the king soul is awesome like you just passively are like regaining essence but then you're like well i i, I need the cool thing i need the dark heart or whatever it's called <laughs>
0: the void heart yeah you gotta have the void heart and that was uh that was neat to finally get the answer that I've been waiting for. Like, who is this? Who is this character? And just to know, like I said, that he he is just one of many that was created to serve the kingdom by absorbing this infection and, and that he has the potential to break the cycle again by killing God, which is my JRPG brain was just on fire.
2: And just the fact that the Hollow Knight is not you, it is the character that you are replacing in some endings because they are an imperfect vessel because they had an idea instilled, they had a voice to cry out suffering and just this like the, the writing that does show up in the game is amazing and it is not up its own ass. It is just perfectly in tone and consistent and concise throughout the entirety of it. And not every character is like speaking these deep riddles, but when you do go to the mask maker and you find out about, Characters not having a identity and adopting a mask and that becoming their identity and how that relates to the way that the uh, the radiance is infecting this world with thought and that a hive mind is not necessarily a good thing but it can be a defense against a separate hive mind and how you see these different factions of characters like the mantis lords or in deepness with the weavers that all left and that is the the premise sort of for silk song is that Hornet is this character who is a a um, Hornet's mother is Hera, who is the the beast. She is one of the dreamers and her father is the pale king and that the pale king gave Hera the gift of a child that has God's blood in it, a God's blood in it. And that's Hornet's like conception is this. And you learn that from the white lady who's this weird tree god who's also th- like the pale king's wife, but also, I don't know, because how, how does this weird man who started out as a worm shell that you see in the the edge of the world on the total eastern side of the, the map become this weird little guy with the forkhead. You know, it's just, there's just so much that happens and that you can like focus in on and it's just a broad world that happened and you're just discovering or not discovering. Maybe you just watch a YouTube video about it, but fuck, dude. It's so,
0: it's so fucking sick. <laughs> And talk about like, talk about David Lynch in terms of like dreams and dreaming and who is the dreamer and what does it mean to dream that, I mean, it is literally killing this place that I, 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 once I got the dream nail and I realized pretty quickly, like, oh, I can like, I can read people's thoughts with this. That's interesting. And then I'd start, I'd see a, like a corpse and I would hit it and I would get a thought and I would go, oh, that's not a corpse at all. They're asleep. Because if it was a true corpse, I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be able to read their thoughts, and so just to know that this, uh, this whole premise of it's going to preserve, how, you know, the, the dreamers protecting the kingdom by keeping us all asleep, which is going to keep the infection at bay. I mean, it's just it's it's cancerous. It's it's killing this place, and it's it's I don't know.
2: And the only reason why the 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 uh, the infection is attempting to infect these dreamers. Is the fact that they are conscious and that their consciousness is only given to them by the Pale King. And before he came, that everyone was just mindless animals. They were just bugs like the enemies that you fight that are just wandering around. And that they've that they've like when you're in the um the crossroads at the beginning of the game and you're fighting these mindless sort of they're husks. They're called husks. They're basically zombies. They're these bugs that maybe they used to be civilized. They used to have thought they used to have self referential belief and consciousness, but now they are just animals and they're walking and they'll, they'll charge at you and they'll attack you, but they're not yet infected. They're not, they're not taken over by the radiance yet because later when you go to the infected crossroads, after you've defeated enough dreamers, then they suddenly have like the yellow goop coming out of them. They got they got that dream goop. And then when they die, they explode and that, that changes like the way that you, Uh, interact with the world in that area and it's like a visual change to to show how much you've progressed the story but it also reflects in a gameplay way and like there's a lore version there's like a lore reason for it too
0: it's i love that shit yeah i mean i i want to go like watch lore videos because you're even just in this in this recording saying a bunch of stuff that went oh man like yeah i didn't I wouldn't have thought of that. That's really interesting. And, and stuff
2: was illuminated through DLC. Like there's a whole lore that was added when they added the Grim Troop or when they added God Home or even like... So there's an ability they can get with the Dream Nail where you can make a little teleporter thing. And that was added as DLC where... I mean, I don't remember what version I played because I, I played it a little bit when it came out on PC. And then I played it for realsies when it came out on Switch because I knew it was coming to Switch. So that's where I wanted to play it. And I think by the time it came to Switch, it already had... The grim troop but then god home was coming out in like a few months so i never like like naturally played god home but there's so many cool boss fights that i would love to experience like the fact that you can fight sly in the god home expansion is like i would love to do that i would love to fight the um, nail sages when there's like two of them and you have to fight both of them at the same time like that's that's really cool too or even uh fighting uh the what i can't remember the real version of the dung defender is called but like his uh all white version or pure vessel where you fight the hollow knight and he's like he's not infected the version of the hollow knight that is the true hollow knight is the pure vessel is just so fucking cool
0: can you fight can you fight him outside of the pantheon
2: well because there's a pantheon where you fight everyone back to back to back and i think once you progress to the point where you have beaten him then you can fight him one-on-one just like do a one on just a a one-off fight and i think the same thing is true with absolute radiance And, but I'm not, I'm not quite sure because I've not progressed that far and I've only done like a couple fights and like unlocked a, uh, like you get like a charm or something. I can't remember.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah. I, yeah. Looking at the, what I love too, is that each, you know, as you would expect from games with multiple endings that like each better ending, like swings up a little bit more. That in in the bad endings, you know, you take the place of the Hollow Knight and you're imprisoned, and the infection is staved off again. But you know that the cycle's just going to continue. Um, and then uh, defeating Radiance, you see, like the Void, which was the the original denizens of this realm, are these Void creatures that were sort of like trampled over by the the whole by the Hollow Nest and the Pale King. And the radiance, uh, they, they rise up and they say, no, like, fuck you. Like we were here. We've always been here. And you are able to like break out of your mask and achieve your true, like void form and you destroy the radiance. And the, you see that the infection is gone. Like the vines just wither and disappear and hollow, Hallownest nest and, and the kingdom as it was can be restored again. But you know, you're sacrificed in the process. And then watching videos of like the true two ending, which I am never going to get because looking at that boss fight against Absolute Radiance, there's just no fucking way that's ever going to happen. That all those things happen and we get this great shot of Hornet standing outside of the Black Egg Temple and you see the Hollow Knight starting to come out of the egg, um, which suggests that not only is the cycle broken, but that one of the vessels now gets to just live on its own terms. Um, I didn't do any of this stuff with like Mr. Mushroom, but like, I guess that also is a little teaser that like, it zooms way out at him, like going way away from dirt mouth and it says to be continued. And like, he, he's he got the whole story of everything. And so like, I, I don't know what that's about. Cause I didn't, I didn't ever equip the fungal shroom charm, whatever the fuck. it's Right, called. right, right. Yeah. Me either. Um, I
2: think I talked to him a couple times, but I only found like two of his, uh, his spots and you have to find, I don't know how many there are like a good like 10 or so but yeah there's just so many different inner like interwoven storylines that all impact the your perception of the broader story like even you saying like the the void defeating the radiance is a good ending like that's not necessarily true because like you said before um the pale king showed up and everyone became sentient the void was just sitting below and just sort of existing and now they have something to prove, and maybe the void is going to kill everyone in the society, and there's just nothing going to be nothing left except for the void. And it becomes uh, there's no like true morality in these these higher beings that they refer to, and that you also as a player refer to as a higher being because you have your own uh, self evident consciousness and this what that sort of means from like a meta narrative as well as is a sort of a fun sort of take on it. And it it just really does make me so excited for their next game because from what they've shown mechanically and playing as Hornet, it seems like so rad and how fast you move and like your, uh, your jumps and like her ability to use the silk as opposed to the, the little ghost or shadow or just the player knight and his ability to use essence is just a completely different thing. And I I completely 100% full faith in whatever they do next.
0: Yeah, I'm thrilled. I I I know that. Well, I had seen the like splash art of Silk Song, and so then when I saw Hornet, I was like, "Oh, that's a protagonist." So I like clocked that 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 was probably going to be significant. And yeah, I mean, it's it it's it's the sibling of the vessel that is that is born of the void and the Pale King. And so what's Hornet? What's Hornet going to do with this new autonomy coming out of presumably whatever they consider to be the canonical like good ending? um is it a new land entirely i mean like you said she's pursuing the uh the weavers you should watch some videos because there there was cut scenes shown during a trailer and
2: then there's been gameplay shown at like a pax or an eth there was a was some gameplay at a pax like australia because they're an australian team and also from e3 2019 i believe uh nintendo treehouse had some gameplay as well so you can see like some off off tv like videotaping the tv footage and then some direct feed from treehouse to give you a little bit of an idea of like what they're showing gameplay wise and what the the trailer shows and like what the implications are and all these deep dive lore videos shout out to moss bag which is like he's got like an hour and a half video and like breaking down all the lore of hollow Knight, and like most of it was stuff i did not pick up on i'm not i'm really like actually not good at picking up on lore stuff like while i'm experiencing it like i sort of get like the tone and like the vibe and like the sadness and like the feeling of it, but not really the, uh, Oh, this happened. And then this happened. And that's why this character knows this character and that kind of stuff. So hearing it broken down, I, 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 see it. And then I'm like, I didn't make that connection, but this is like giving more context to the feelings I was feeling when I, when I experienced it myself. Yeah,
0: totally. I, I, I got big strokes, but like the minutia, I, I seriously doubt that I retained a lot of it. So yeah, I got, I got to go watch, I got to go watch one of those and I'm sure I'll enjoy it a lot. Uh, just looking at how other people with more time (laughs) have put into like sussing out all these things that are very like tangentially alluded to. And again, that's the kind of shit that I would spend like hours on forums and on Google doing, uh, with, uh, with things like Metroid Prime, when the whole universe was new to me, of like, oh well, what does that mean, and what are these creatures, and this, that, and the other thing? Like, it just, I've, I've been so like, enwrapped in a game in just a long time.
2: Yeah, it's really infected your brain, huh, Chris?
1: Oh, <laughs> listen, I was gonna say this. What you're describing sounds so much like a Metroid
2: game. <laughs> it it really is yeah that's (laughs) this game wouldn't exist without super metroid i mean talking about the split paths and i would recommend if you want other like really great examples of metroidvanias i had a great time with steam world dig 2 it does not have as much of the vibes and like the storytelling sort of chops to it but it is very mechanically tight and the sense of progression that you get in the pacing is really phenomenal it is much more video gamey you sort of think of how um mario odyssey was just like here's the base elements you get this like cool place to discover and then here's like a room a challenge room and where you can get a thing but if you do the challenge room even better you get a second thing and that is just like it gets your brain it gets the good juices coming out of your brain your endorphins are popping off and it's a great example of something like that and then you've played uh, Guacamele, which is really great as well and then um, the, the ori games i only play the second one i do want to go back and play the first one but that is like an opposite approach in a lot of ways to something like hollow knight where hollow knight is very much the exploration is super strong but it's the sense of combat and like you really want to engage in that combat and there's like an economy based on it S- where something like metroid you know super metroid you could go through and not kill anything except for bosses if you really wanted to like the enemies are there as a impedance and a way for you to regain health sometimes but in something like ori the combat is also super uh, low on the totem pole of importance Um, Even more so in the first game from what I've heard based on the second game, sort of expanding that out and even stealing some ideas from Hollow Knight with like charms and that kind of uh, equipment variety. But just the sense of mobility and the fluidity and the um, inertia of the way you explore that world is really fantastic and very rewarding. And it's so beautifully animated and actually it runs super well on Switch based on uh, some Digital Foundry videos I watched. So I've actually thought about getting the Ori 2-pack physical physical so i can go back and play the first one because i did play the second one on game pass so i don't actually own that game so i can justify it to myself
0: yeah let's do it we gotta maybe that could be one of our next uh sort of hey, diary type things. you guys are um, out
1: here freaking talking some coheed and cambria shit i'm like what the fuck are you guys talking about man um but that intrigues lot of me I, I just
2: you play games in a different way and that's okay too
0: well, I was just going to say, like you said, and, and Nick had mentioned this earlier, that I, I tried to play Hollow Knight once before, and I got a little bit into exploring the the crossroads, and I, I could not have probably gotten very far, and it didn't hit for me. And I, it was just a time and place thing that I, I maybe was coming off another big game, and I was a little fatigued, was just like, ah, I don't really want to, like, work hard for this. But I'd been playing, like, Final Fantasy 12 and Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze all summer, and then to get this, like, really moody metroidy explorey fascinating game it just it all came together and within like the first 10 minutes of me playing i was like oh my god i am really gonna like this
2: yeah it's just it's i cannot emphasize enough how special this game is and it's so rare for me to have that sort of takeaway from games and the only downside to you playing this like right now chris is that you're going to pop in dread in two months and it's not going to live up to hollow Knight. I'm sorry. Like oh, there's no I way know. that I can. And that's disappointing, but it's going to be different because you're shooting. You don't really have that sort of shooting mechanic. I mean, you kind of do, you have a spell cast in hollow Knight, but it's sort of like, it's a, it's going to be a different paced sort of game. And that's that it might, hopefully like this two month span will be enough for you to sort of like come down from that, like immediate, like orgasmic finish of this game. to let you, you know, experience new things and, <laughs> and have a more open mind still about it.
0: Oh, totally. And I mean, it's a Metroid game. So like I've been waiting for Metroid five for 20 years. So like my stoke is still going to be really high If for yeah. nothing else. Just to like get the conclusion of this story. I've been so curious about since I was like a literal child. Um, All you have to hear is that. Yeah, and
2: then you'll be fine. You'll be in <laughs> tears. I
0: mean,
1: was this easy for you to like separate from like, Like, if this was a Metroid game, what are your feelings different? Or did this really live up to Nick's sort of hype that he was building you up on for however long?
0: Well, I think Nick, to his credit, is good about just going, this is a really great game. And just, like, keeping things really simple. I think when people, like, oversell things to me, I tend to, like, get really turned off by it. And I'm just like, nah. You don't don't." (laughs) sell. Chris is a contrarian, but it's not even just, like, that instinct kicking in i'm just like you've you've oversold it like there's no way it could sure. possibly live, live up to this and nick's just like oh mm-hmm. my god like you're gonna really like hollow knight sure. um so uh no i don't I don't know that it would have been would have been different but I, I i'm optimistic i'll be able to like separate those two things because i could recognize like really early on like this game's gonna be mentioned for like years and years to come as as an absolutely stellar example of video games. Uh, and, and I know that dread's just not going to be that. It's just not, Um, it's going to be like, in all, in all, in all hope, like a very good Metroid game uh, that tells a story I've been waiting to hear uh, and launches a new, you know, interest in the series. That means I get more Metroid games.
1: Was this experience for you more like, Oh, I really appreciate what Nick was saying or did you really feel like holy shit like this is this is like one of my favorite games ever cuz nick i mean the way you uh built it up for me you know i think it's different than what it, maybe it was built up for chris but
2: well no i don't know about that because i know you pretty well and i know you get frustrated with this kind of game so i definitely want to like say hey this is worth your time this is worth you trying to play this game but and i hope you love it because I love it. And I want us to be able to share that love of something because when that happens, it's really special. I love having this conversation with Chris and hearing his thoughts and being able to bounce off that and react to it and be like, oh, that thing was awesome. And this thing is related to that. And I love it too. Like, that's my favorite kind of uh, conversation coming off of someone having a fresh experience. Or I also, you know, like if Chris had like some gripes about some stuff, like I would also love to talk about that and like what that means. Like, I know you had trouble with the map system early on, EJ. And I think that is a choice that they made that is not going to hit with everybody. I think not having the auto-filled map until you have a thing to buy and then also you have to rest at a bench in order to fill it in, like that's a choice that they made and it was definitely going to push people away based on that. But, and I love having those kinds of conversations, but I know that you have a tough time sometimes getting into a game that pushes back a little bit or if you're just not in the right headspace, like that's understandable, that's fine. The way you experience games is totally... For your benefit, you don't have to play a game to make me happy. You have to play a game to you make know what you happy.
1: It's funny. Is um, I was listening to episode sixty nine of the Constant Crusade podcast, and nice. It, I yeah. was like, there was a there was a point um, where you were trying to break down. You're like, I don't understand what you like, and you're trying to sort of articulate it from your perspective. And I I found that very interesting because. It made me think, like, well, what do I like? And I I think in broad strokes, it's easy to say, well, I like X, Y, and Z. But, like, why do I like those things? And why doesn't that translate to other experiences? Um, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I really don't know.
2: You're a capricious gamer. You know, any way the wind blows, it'll change the way you're experiencing something. If you played Dead Cells a week after you first played it, you might have hated Maybe. it. Nobody knows. Maybe.
1: Isn't that funny how that ended up working out, too? <laughs> like... I was just thinking about that. I saw the DLC was on sale just the other day, and I'm like, dude, that game was so good. I don't know. If, Chris, was that a game that you played at all?
0: Uh, I I did not. Um, to your question, though, uh, yeah, I didn't really get a lot of, of specifics about the game, about Hollow Knight from Nick. I, I just knew that he was like, this, this is a yeah. game I really like, and it's in a genre that I think is going to mean that you're going to like it a lot. Um, which like I said, is my favorite kind of recommendation because I think when people can put it so simply and then just leave it for me to figure out, you know, that that's more interesting for me. So no, it was really me just discovering it and loving it on my own merits and being so interested in exploration as I am, given that I do love Metroid games. Like I sunk a ton of geo. Like I got the quill immediately that I said, okay, I see there's a whole bunch of stuff that I can, that I can get to that. I can't see. And I'm going to want to know where that path is going to go and what branches are going to come off of that and what I could discover further down those ways. And so I just went, okay, that's, that's the, I just accepted the game on its own merits and went, that's the challenge. I need to be really good about getting back to a bench, but then discovering when I finally did like take my first death of, oh, okay, I get my map updated. I can go back and I can get all of my money back, which is a big thing for me. I was like, oh my God. I seriously lost all of my geo like that, that for like a half second, I went, Oh, that's a total deal breaker. Cause I've worked so hard for these resources and then getting, you know, finding the shade and going, what the fuck is that? And like attacking it and going, Oh, I got all my money back. Like my soul is back. Like, Oh, okay. I see what we're doing here. I get it. But they didn't have to like hold my hand and go find your shade to recover your resources. They just like, let me go figure it out. And I never did end up, not getting my shade back. And it wasn't until late in the game when I got really lazy that I just started like giving rancid eggs to a uh, GG and dirt mouth to like summon the shade for me. Cause I was like, fuck that. I'm not going back into deepness. Just give me my money. You know? Um, I don't know. I just, yeah, it just, it just hit for me in a big way. And it's my, it's my steez big time. And yeah, I'm just really glad that I finally listened to Nick and listened to Josh and Joey, who've been also telling me for years to go play this fucking game
2: yeah we, w- we wouldn't steer you wrong but just like i'm not steering you around dark souls you're gonna get a lot of the same experience from from that game too i think and ej also oh, bounced off that game the exact same reason the exact same way in that i think maybe you had a similar experience ej with hollow knight where you did die and you did lose your resource and you seeing that number turn to zero is enough for you to just to be like okay no thank you not for me and that has a that's a similar experience to Dark Souls. I mean, they they cribbed that fully from that game.
1: It's it's not even like it's just like I don't like wasting my time. And I feel like if I don't know what I'm doing, or if I can't figure it out within like a prescribed period of time, I feel like it's just a waste of time. And Dark Souls was a game that like I feel like I really appreciate a lot of the mechanics and a lot of the systems. Once I had someone to sort of baby me through them. And that's just me being impatient and dumb and like, you know, not wanting to have to like put in a lot of the work. And that's what I like about a lot of more modern sort of 3d adventure games. is like, they make it really easy on the average player and I'm an average player. But once I kind of, I got into dark souls with you and you sort of helped me through some of the systems. It's still a very hard game, I think, but I had a, a, a good time and like, I'm like, oh, I'll never beat that game on my own. But like, you know, I appreciated it for what it was, and, uh, you know, one day I'm like, oh, that would be a lot of fun to maybe try to go back and beat. Um, it's super difficult, but I would have never gotten, you know, it's just, it's very arcane, and it's just not. That's not what I'm into.
2: Let's okay. Let me let me dive into your psyche a little bit here (laughs) to help to help me understand maybe to help you understand in like a a more articulate way than just wasting time. Because when you say wasting time, I think of you love the grind. You love the, the micro stepping of making a small, small progress. Like let's go. How many shiny grinded Pokemon did you, did you, did you get in let's go and how much time did you spend doing that? And don't answer, but just keep that in your head and think of that when you're, um, Oh my God. Chris is making some (laughs) noise. It's
1: (laughs) It's truly awful.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But okay. Think about that. Think about um, Skyrim, another game you love to to start and maybe not play all the way through, but you love, you love being in that place and experiencing that world. And even like Zelda, you had a lot of fun with. And like, these are all games that I can sort of relate to because I have a, a similar experience to maybe not Skyrim, but breath of the wild and Pokemon for sure. And I think of, that sort of sense of progression maybe is what is uh, keeping you like hook on the hook. You know, you're being reeled in slowly and maybe something like Hollow Knight or a Metroid game doesn't necessarily have those rewards that you're looking for at a consistent pace that works for you. Because like for someone like me, I love filling out a map. That's amazing for you. I mean, you in Breath of the Wild, you climbed all the towers first. That was the first thing you did, right? When you got off the the plateau. Yeah. So you like filling in a map, but maybe not like, Slowly, you like doing that all at once, and then knowing where to go right away. Maybe that is something that's more it's more interesting to you or engages you more, more readily.
1: It's hard to say, like, oh, I really like having like X, Y, and Z goal at a like right out the gate. Like it's because I I also don't like just doing the checklist. I I this is something I really feel like I need to think about and like figure out. But I definitely like. I said on the last podcast, I need to know what my end game is, but I don't want to be told. Like, I need to know the parameters, but I want to then explore those parameters on my own. You know, like I don't need a a, a explicit walkthrough, but like if I really don't know what the end game is, um, but that applies to like systems and mechanics. Like if you're just, Hey, go explore and fucking figure it out it's hard for me to wrap my brain around that. And not even maybe like technically speaking, but just like, again, the patience level of like, man, I just like, tell me if I do this, then this thing happens. And then I'll do, uh, then I'll go explore your world. You know, like, I don't want to have to like figure all that out. And, and at least with hollow Knight, that was my thing was like, you know, it, it just felt very much like
2: Yeah, it is a very open sort of experience without visually sort of keying that into you. Um, which I think might be something that I have to consider for recommending games to you because I don't think I like honestly recommended Hollow Knight to you. I think I suggested you try it because it's something I like, yeah. which is a different thing than yeah. you know me saying, "Hey, you should play this because I think you'll like it," which is what I did with Chris. Yeah, so which I appreciate. It's just tough. Yeah, it's just strange to me how much you love like Dead Cells, but it also makes a lot of sense because that is a very uh, you know the joke pick up and play, you know, fast and fluid, whatever. But it is very short in its in its uh, progression system it's a very each each uh carrot on the stick is like right in front of you and you and you reach that carrot all the th- all the goddamn time right so maybe something like that is just like something that you're really into like that is your progression loop that's the thing that keeps you going with games
1: this is weird man this is turning into a therapy session i'm getting so introspective here <laughs> but uh let let listen. let's save that for episode 91 Or two, I don't know. What are we on? I don't know. We'll save that for the next episode, okay? Because (laughs) right, right, yeah, yeah, It's uh, you know, it's something to think about. But the more you guys talk about it, the more I'm like, wait, wait, what? You got that from this game? Like, it's it was so it's so
2: foreign to me, but it like intrigues the hell out of me. So, um, it's one of those things like, yeah, not trying. I'm not trying to give you FOMO or anything because it's not gonna it's not gonna hit for you. Too late. It's too. It's
0: tough. You already. Oh, I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying to give him FOMO. I mean,
2: he already tried this game and he and he bounced off it. So like, wh- why would a second time be different? How many times have you played a game and bounced off it and then came back and actually loved it? Like, you have to know yourself. I mean, you have to know what you're worth. What's worth putting your time into. You don't want to waste your time. You don't want to feel like you've wasted yeah. your time. You don't want to hurt our feelings by not loving a thing and then bashing it for.
1: I mean, be,
2: for being above
1: your head. The greatest example is it happened with Skyrim. And it, it, so, so it's like I don't want to attribute it like fully to like time and place sort of thing, but it really is like wrapping my head around it and and like having the time to um to sort of dive in enough that I can then run run with it, right? So you know, it's just one of those things. I mean even dark souls again, once I had someone to help me sort of get through it because the way that game presents itself and the way it walks you through that that is not how I, I don't like that. But once you kind of yeah. got me over the hump and I was just really focusing on these little areas and these little uh, encounters, I had a lot more fun right. and like the grind of like, you know, incrementally getting better and sort of understanding what the heck is happening. Like it
2: became yeah, the moment to moment,
1: you know, it wasn't just a chore. Yeah. So, uh, but again, I also like playing almost anything. If I'm playing with, with friends who are into it, like exactly, it's a lot easier. So anyway, um, I like listening to you guys chat about it though. It, again, the FOMO, like Chris, you're joking about it, but like it gives me the FOMO a little bit. I'm like, how do I how do we co-op this sort of experience, right? And and maybe I can enjoy it a little bit more.
2: Maybe you'll find something. Before we wrap up completely, I did want to really quick hit the mailbag which you can reach at feedback at consolecrusade.com. You got mail? And write Ooh. your feedback. We got mail. <laughs> wow. This comes in from Lindsay, and it is titled Bulbasaur. <laughs> okay. Shout out. Now, Lindsay says, I was offended when Chris said that Bulbasaur is no one's favorite starter Pokemon. Squirtle and Charmander hold a dear place in my heart, but Bulba is best boy for me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> then again,
2: he was also probably offended when Nick told him I called him a simp for <laughs> buying the OLED Switch. <laughs> So we can count us as even. (laughs) In all realness, though, I'm looking forward to seeing you and Tiffany in October. That's from Lindsay. Hell
1: yeah. Shout out to freaking
2: Lindsay. Remember, if you want us to read your message on the air and uh, us to react to it, you can email us feedback at (laughs) consolecrusade.com.
0: Wow. (laughs) Look, I just want to say I was not offended because the shoe fits. Lindsay hit the nail on the head. I'm going to hold my position on Bulbasaur that if anybody takes the starter that gives you super effective moves against the first two gyms, that's weak sauce. Give me a challenge.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, Chris. You fucking dork.
0: Uh. Double down four over here. (laughs)
1: Console Crusade freaking podcast.
2: Yo.